This is episode two of the Attack of the Clone. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to digitize in a pear right here. Post. Damn it, I forgot Look, to paint the wall green. Oh, there's a pear. It's floated. Look, I'm going to slice it. But George, you could just have a real no. pear. In a world where laughter was king, on the edge of space. Ludicrous speed! Go! We get together, have a few laughs. Masters of the universe! I have a bowl no. of pears. Post-production pears only. See it levitating? <laughs> I'm doing that with my mind and computers. How can Jar Jar eat the pear? Shove in the face. Digitally added. Yeah, this is episode two of the Cinemasters of the Universe. I am one of your hosts, Ron Avis. I am the other of your hosts, Adam Peterson. And welcome back. Yes, we're glad you made it, including the guy that was driving the car last week. (laughs) That guy, presumably he's still watching. Oh, oh, Mitch? Yeah, Mitch. Is that Mitch? Mitch. Mitch, are you with us? Mitch driving in your car. I hope you're in your car again. Let us know. I hope you exclusively watch this in your car. Let us know you're okay, Mitch. Yeah. We're very worried. Send us a note. A postcard, if you will. I would like a postcard. I would. I, I would like postcard. a Garfield postcard. Yeah. And I would like you to white out all of the Garfields in the yep. in the strip. You know, like yep. those things they do. Yep. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's funny, but why do people always dump on Garfield? I don't know. Jim Davis. He's he's a he's a a, a god amongst men. Yeah. To have brought us something as revolutionary as Garfield. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah, he, he did kind of copy Heathcliff a bit. No. No. <laughs> Who no. came first? It doesn't matter because whoever came first or second, Garfield is clearly the better can, orange cat. I can relate so much more to Garfield. You know why? I don't like Mondays. He doesn't like Mondays. I like I like to sleep. Yeah. Um, I like to eat and sleep and yeah, generally. I've never eaten lasagna in the same fashion, though, <clears throat> where I'm just scooping it directly <laughs> into my face and I eat the entire pan. You don't, you don't see action lines no. like flying <sighs> from your hands and then lasagna. toss the pan? No. Okay, you're right. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, this is our second episode, and it's Deuce. Deuce. And so th- this this is like a sequel. It is. This is a sequel to the first installment. <laughs> this is part two of the series. Part two, if you're uh, <laughs> And I really enjoyed doing the first episode, man. It was like... It was a good time. Months, years of planning. Decades. Countless uh, countless attempts at podcasts from, you know, other people. You know, like we yes. finally came together and we're, we're doing this movie-related podcast. We had this idea before the internet was even a thing. <laughs> before the first podcast. Before, before most people were even alive. Yeah. I wonder who had the first podcast. Was uh, it was it like was it just Mark Marin? Was he number one? <laughs> he he could he uh, he I would be okay if he was. Yeah, okay. He's he's a funny or Adam guy. Carolla. He's been around a while. Yeah, he, he Kevin Smith and Adam Carolla have yes. probably the very first famous podcast. They came yeah they came on the scene pretty early pretty, pretty quick pioneered it pretty quickly. Yes. Now and now everybody's got a podcast. Everyone. You we know, have I, a podcast. We have a podcast. We have a podcast. <laughs> We're the one millionth podcast. Yeah. <laughs> No, Conan O'Brien has a podcast. He now. has a podcast now. He it, copied us. I think that's it, I, to say. he absolutely did. I mean, we both are two episodes in. So yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's up for you guys to decide. We'll have to yes. check that out. But I'm pretty certain he copied Hashtag this. we're better than Conan. <laughs> Just saying. Hashtag Coco number two. Yes. <laughs> uh, but so what we're going to start out with the show is we're going to pick up from our Netflix Vice Versa. Yes. And we're going to review the movies that we had picked for one another. And, uh, you know, we'll both weigh in on the movie, what we thought of the movie. And hopefully, if you listen to episode one or you watched Mitch in your car episode one, yes. hopefully you paused at the moment that we announced what the Netflix Vice Versa was. You watched both movies yes. on the side of the road. You pulled over safely. Exited perhaps onto some sort of rest area, it, mm-hmm. you know, or a, uh, a 24-hour truck stop. Somewhere that you could safely watch both of the films. Some place you could grab a burrito. Yes. A microwave burrito. Or one of those uh, rolling meals that they have in gas stations. They just put a whole meal now. It used to be like, oh, we got hot dogs. It's the whole meal now. <laughs> it's like literally, I mean, you, it's, you could put, they had, I mean, for Thanksgiving, they had a hot dog that had all of the, everything just, and you just on a roller. And just, that's how. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not understanding the concept here. Gas stations put entire meals into a hot dog. Now. Into a hot dog. Yeah. There's so they just here. stuff, just, they just stuff like the, the vegetables into the just, hot dog. They just put it all. Just because you know, they have the freshest vegetables at the, the gas station. Yes, they do. Most of them have a garden right out back. A potato salad. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you go around back to many of your gas stations, especially <laughs> ones in a heavily populated metropolitan area, you will find a small garden right mm-hmm. around back. Yeah. You yeah. just got to look for it. They just come in with their overalls yeah. on, you know, just. That's the dedication of gas station attendants. That's why there's somebody <laughs> there 24 hours. That's why they make the big bucks. Yeah. Tending uh, the garden at a gas station. Um, but yeah, so yeah, here, here we are. We're going to review the movies and uh, show, whose movie should we start with? Um, this, we can flip a coin. Here. Called it. And tongues. It's you. Okay. You're going to have to put that quarter in the post-production. <laughs> I'm not Lucas. I said I didn't paint the wall green. That's all right. I'm all out of green paint. Lucas bought it all. Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll start with my movie, which, well, is that the movie that you assigned to me? We'll just say that. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. So There were so many more questions. <laughs> Adam assigned Moon to me. Yes, Moon. Uh, starring Sam Rockwell. And uh, so th- this was a movie that I was pretty, it, it was an indie darling, I feel yes. like. Um, and I, I like to catch indie darlings as much as I can, but I, I got to hit the big budget movies first. Yep. And then I got to hit, I got to hit those, m- m- you know, smaller budget comedies. I got, of course, I got to, I got to watch the animated movies with the kids. I don't always have time for the, 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 uh, you know, can darlings you know yeah. the independent film darlings and this is just one that it slipped by my radar and it's what it's going on 10 years old by now so something like that yeah it's been around for a while i'm just gonna come out and say it i loved it i thought it was really really good i i didn't know what to expect with this movie uh it has a really plain uh poster it, yep. it, it's just i think it's just like a black mostly black poster with a small is it the is it Earth or is it just the Moon? I think it might be just the Moon. Yeah, and and I think Sam Rockwell might be like a small, small. a small miniature Sam Rockwell. So they're really pushing that Sam Rockwell's in this movie. Um, but I did not see it coming r- right away that that he was. And you know, spoiler alert, you know, <laughs> it's been around a decade. Yeah, okay. you've had an opportunity. He's a clone. He was a clone. 
and and I it, I loved it. I, I like I like it when I'm taken a little I'm taken back a little bit. I was not I was expecting a twist, but that's not the kind of twist that's I not, thought. Yeah. You know, when you start talking about clones, you start thinking big budgets. Uh, you start thinking Arnold Schwarzenegger, possibly George Lucas. Yes. Many green screens, but this movie was probably done on the cheap. It looked expensive. Yeah. They did a really good job with with the environment of the moon. Uh, the the big vehicles that he was driving. Yep. Uh, the technology in the moon base. I mean, you know, it looked really, really good. I was really impressed with what they were able to pull off. And I see these movies with gigantic budgets like 150. And this didn't look much less than that. No. So, you know, hats off to whoever made the movie. I'm not yes. sure who directed the movie. I'm going to pull up. Um, so when when he crashed... Uh, going after the harvester. Yes. Um, what What did you think was going to happen at that point? Like, do you remember? <clears throat> um, I, I was, I, I was w- once once everything was in motion. I was, um, I felt like I knew or I had an idea of of where he was going to go. But one of the things that's fun about it is even having that in mind of because um, it's it's one of the things anymore that's hard in watching as many movies as I do is it's hard to find something really new. I mean, just something like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming at all. Like, yeah. totally. So it was one of the, like, I, I wasn't sure, because it, to me it felt like um, at that point in the movie, it was a choose-your-own-adventure, and I had kind of A, B, and C plotted out in my mind, like, okay, you could do this. or, But it was it was always nice because it felt like every time they chose something, it was something I, I wasn't, it wasn't like, it blew my mind, but it was like, oh, I, w- I wouldn't have necessarily thought that was the next step. I Here. Here's and by the way, the director is Duncan Jones. He directed um, wa- the Warcraft movie, yep. so they gave him a big budget there. He did Mute too, didn't he? He did Mute and Netflix. he did Source Code. Yeah, good flick. Which was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, and I, so those those are like his major movies. So here's here's the thing about Moon that really misdirected me was there was. Do you remember the scene where, you know, he's he's nearing the end of his contract. Yep. I want to say it was like three years, mm-hmm. and he looks over. I think on like on a couch, he sees this spooky looking girl. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, is this a horror movie? Um, and, and they don't, I don't feel like they really started addressing that until much later. Like yeah. it starts, it starts coming into focus that she was just sort of, I guess, you know, the, the memory, yeah. uh, implanted into its consciousness. And of course, you know, he's, he knows at this point he's a, later in the movie, he finds out he's a clone very heartbreakingly because he yeah. calls. You know, he's the the clone has this life expectancy, a life expectancy, yep. kind of like in Blade Runner. You know, yep. they expire, and uh, I mean, so that you you know, he's he's just he's he's looking terrible. He looks he's like he's in the apart. final stages of cancer. He's falling apart, and uh, you know, he finally makes it out to the edge. He can get you know to where he's not blocked yep. by the scrambler. Makes the call, and his daughter answers the phone as like a teenager. Yep. So it's not even that far in the future. See, I thought it was going to be one of those deals like in Interstellar. Yeah. You know, where like they would be really old. Yeah. But it really was. She wasn't even so. He he was only probably like the fourth or fifth clone. Yep. So I thought that was an interesting choice. It was. It was. It was nice that they didn't put the whole thing beyond the reach. Like it kept it kind of contained in this yeah. this capsule where it's like okay. I mean, in talking to his daughter at that point, it was it was shocking enough to know that there's a a realistic span of time that had passed. Right. 
but it wasn't like, oh, no, that was my grandma. Like that would have right. that would have almost been like, wait, what? It's this is so out of, like it made it more. It felt like it hit home a little bit more. Like, oh wow, yeah, this is just this whole production, this whole cloning thing is really in its infancy for this whole operation. Yeah, um, and it was just it was interesting in that. The new clone that they activate, um, you know, obviously played by Sam Rockwell as well. He, you know, he ends up going back. Yes. So he gets pretty much the full three years. Yep. Assuming he makes it back. And I, I like to believe that he made it back. I want to see that sequel. I want to see him showing up. There, uh, uh, the teaser I will give you is in Mute uh, on Netflix uh-huh. with uh, Alexander Skarsgård. There is one scene in that that links the two movies directly. Oh, now I have to watch now that. Now you have to watch Mute. Now I have to watch that. Cool. It's not a bad movie. I mean, it's, uh, didn't was totally that the Netflix original yep. movie? Okay. It didn't hit every note I was hoping it would, but Alexander Skarsgård was good in it, and I enjoyed it. It's, and there's, um, who else is in that? Um, are you noticing that these Netflix movies are, it's almost like they're movies that the studio is just, they don't trust the movie. Yeah. Netflix is coming in and snatching these movies up that were going to be theatrical releases. Could very they easily be They lose faith in them, and then they yeah. kind of show them on Netflix. Most of these Netflix movies are, are they're, they're not home runs, most of them. Yeah. It's disappointing to me. I would like yeah. to see some of these Netflix movies like actually be really good movies. Like, what, what was the one that came out last during, last year in the Super Bowl? The Cloverfield movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Paradox or whatever it was called. That that one was okay, but it was going to be a theatrical release. Justin Theroux is in that movie. And, and yes. Paul Rudd is in that yes. movie? Yes, that's who I was trying to think Holy of. Holy crap. Yep. As a, like a lead, or is that all Alexander Skarsgård? Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, because the whole thing, he doesn't, he can't talk, um, so he has no lines. He's the lead. Um, he wins the movie because the yes. name of the movie is mute. He is the mute. <laughs> Again, spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, he would have got that from the trailer, but he was blind. Um, Paul Rudd, that would be an interesting twist. You name the movie <laughs> mute. He's like, what? I can't see anything. I can hear you fine. I, I'm saying everything just fine. Can you hear me? I need some help because I'm obviously blind. Um, I close my eyes there for dramatic effect exactly. um, good. to highlight the blindness. And so you're you're gonna yeah you know, more pantomiming. That was a visual. <laughs> you're missing out if you're just listening to this. You should be watching this in your car, seeing these yeah. just wonderful visual. If you're at home. Acting. And it's the evening, or you're just home. Go out to your car and sit in the car and watch it from there. <laughs> the acoustics are fantastic. We're the number in one rated car. podcast to watch from your yep. car. <laughs> that category alone, we yeah. take the gold. We got day. it. I'm gonna do all of all of the uh, tagging for the yes. episodes. I'm just gonna put car in car, riding in car, yeah. listening in car, listening on the side of the road in car. <laughs> it's like comedians in cars getting coffee, except you're the one in the car yeah. and no one's drinking coffee. And it's not a very interesting car, and let's uh, face it. We're not comedians. <laughs> you're probably driving like a, a Camry. A no Yugo. offense. A Yugo. Ooh, a Yugo. Yeah. Ooh, gosh. Throw gosh. it back to Drowning Mona. <laughs> All the cars were Yugos. Mm. Uh, but so mute. Uh, that that that's a, a recommend you would say. If you've seen Moon, check it out. If if you've seen Moon and you like it, um, there. I I don't want to hype up. It's not a huge payoff. It's it's a fun little. Uh, it's it's not even something you necessarily have to pay super close attention to because mm-hmm. they they make sure that you notice it. It's not like oh look in the background. Okay, okay. It's like you 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 make note of of the of the connection to it. Um, gotcha. But it, it, that in and of itself doesn't necessarily um, 
lend itself to saying, oh, yeah, you should definitely watch Mute if you liked Moon. Mm. Mute's still watchable, but okay. I wouldn't put it at the top of my list. I'll yeah. watch Paul Rudd in anything. Yes. I mean, he's he's the best. I'll watch him in anything that is being produced by, um, oh, gosh, what's his name? Um, the famous comedy producer... I have I have him in my <laughs> Adam Sandler's old roommate, did, you know the the forty year old virgin and uh, let's see, hang on, hang on. Yeah, if you hadn't asked me, I would have <laughs> I would have just said it because I can yep. I can see his face. That's that's the tricky part of doing a podcast, you guys, especially if you're on camera. You well, instantly the, get stupider. Yeah, this is when we're like, there's a lot of pressure right here. You have you're forced to recall things. Yes. See, like when we're when we're working together at the Dairy Queen. Yes. Uh, we just, you know, boom, boom, boom. It's who right was in there. this movie? Who, who was the 14th lead on bam, that movie? Bam, bam. Do you remember the grip? Can you remember the grip's name? The best boy. <laughs> okay. 40-year-old virgin. Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Oh, thank you, God, so much. IMDb. Yes. The internet. So it's a wonderful invention. <laughs> Check thank it you, out if you haven't already. Super I don't know serial. how you got this episode if you don't know how great it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, moving away from mute back to moon. moon. Um, so Kevin Spacey was featured heavily in this movie as the robot that could only emote through uh, emojis, yes. <laughs> which kind of cracked me up. Um, it's also the best way to have Kevin Spacey in a movie where you don't see oh, him, but you hear point. him. Good point. And he's guaranteed not to molest any of the yes. cast members as uh, a robot like that. Yes. You know, he didn't have any arms or legs or appendages. He was just no. Nope, it was you know. it was just the robot, and just his voice. Yeah, uh, but you know, he he was fine. He he didn't he wasn't super Kevin Spacey in that movie. No, which uh, is good. Yeah, which is little good. Kevin Spacey goes a long way. Very little Kevin Spacey goes a long way. And uh, I you know I I don't I it, it feels weird to say I enjoy Kevin Spacey or anything right now, but I, I thought he was fine in that. It, that's that's I think one of the things that's really unfortunate about the these revelations of people being scumbags is mm-hmm. it, the what he's produced the things that he's been in i mean the, the first one that pops in my head is usual suspects yeah great i mean great movie probably one of the best endings of any movie of all time is directly contributed to kevin spacey and it's one of those like i don't just like oh, i can't like this movie anymore it's like no he's a you know he's a scumbag and i don't you know i'm not you know that's that's the whole thing that's hard and a lot of times, because that bleeds over into it, like when these people start to open their mouths and talk about things, like just go be, just go make movies. Yeah. Don't have opinions on things that will make me not like you. I, I like these scummy things. I liked him in The Usual Suspects, but American Beauty is for me the quintessential Kevin Spacey. Yes. You know, I rule. You know, he was he was really good at that. Um, but anyways, moving along back to going back to movies. So he was good in that. So, it, but this was just a Sam Rockwell acting toward a force. Man. Yeah. He is a really good actor. I feel like this, he was good in uh, Three Billboards. Yep. He won an an Academy Award for that performance. He was fine. This was a stronger performance, I thought. I could see, yeah. Because he's he's working against nobody. That's all him. You know, all those Kevin Spacey lines were probably read to him off screen. Yep. And, you know, it was all filled in later. Yep. uh, By Kevin Spacey. You, You know Kevin Spacey wasn't there. No. They didn't even have like a great actor to work off of. So no, it, it's just Sam him. Rockwell carrying this movie. And you know, and he got to play different versions of himself. 
you know, the, the one that had been there three years was kind of yes. a little bit more. And I thought that was real interesting that they could be two different kinds of the same person. Yeah. Um, makes me wonder, like, was the original, uh, I can't remember the name of the character from the movie that Sam Rockwell played, but was that guy that complex? Was he, you know, sort of laid back and calm and rational and kind of, then you had the other version was real assertive and like, do you, know, do you have the aggressive the multiplicity effect yeah by the time you get to the fifth one he's banging his head against a frying pan and, and like licking a slice of yeah. pizza and putting it in his wallet exactly <laughs> that, are we running the risk of that i went pp steve <laughs> i really enjoyed that movie it was a great movie uh yeah maybe perhaps i don't know but it was real creepy when they found it was like a horror movie. They it found was. like the the uh, bin of of ready to go clones. And it was just filled like the whole lower deck was just filled with clones. Yeah. So that they were prepared for that that mission to go on for a long, long a time. A good while. So, anyways, I, I if if I were to rate this, I like to do a scale of one hundred. That's kind of how I like to rate things. So you know, I would give this movie an eighty-five. It's a solid score. It's a really solid score. Um, it, it's the kind of movie that I can very easily watch before bedtime. And it, I was interested the whole time as I wanted to see where things were going. Because you, you got an inkling of where it was going. Yeah. So, and that's the best time is when there's, you see that little bit of a glimmer of like, are they going to go there? But then they actually do it and they pull it off in a, in a satisfying way. Yep. So many times you get like this idea in your head that's going to go a certain way. And it either doesn't, or they do, but in a very predictable, yeah. you know, way. And you nope, s- they did what I thought they were going to do. And then you just do that thing where it's like, saw that one coming yeah. from a mile away. So it didn't really do that all that much, I didn't think. Eve? Yeah? Hi, hi, Eve. How old, how old are you now? I'm 15. Do I know you? Oh, sweetheart. Uh... Good movie. Um, so the other movie that I assigned to you was Moonwalker. Yes. Starring um, Ron Perlman and Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint. Ron Weasley. Good old Ronald Weasley. What did you say? I'll let you like take the lead on this one. Here. <clears throat> I, I I enjoyed it. Um, the uh, one of the first things that I really noticed from it it was um, I wish there were more vehicles where Ron Perlman was a a leading man. Um, he felt like he really carried it. It was, to, to me, there were definitely notes of like, you know, because Liam Neeson for the longest time had this career of being a dramatic actor. He would have some action roles here and there. Yeah. But like he, like he really kind of came into this like, I'm an old dude, but I'm still a badass when he right. did Taken. And oh, like yeah. every movie since he did Taken has is been just a variation another Taken movie. Yeah. And I'm okay with it because it works. Sure. It's good. It's entertaining. What was the Liam Neeson movie they, they did in Daddy's Home 2? <laughs> it's it, like something Slay. <laughs> it it, I, it's, it was perfect. The thing that's funny to me <laughs> is I think that movie is actually, the, a variation of that movie is coming out yeah. in like January. Well, they, got, a, they got his voice operator. in it. Yeah, right. He's a snowplow. It's a joke in Daddy's Home 2. <laughs> and it's a real movie in reality, <laughs> our, our life. That's coming out in either January or February, where <laughs> Liam Neeson drives a snowplow. Something happens, I think, to his family, and he yeah. has to go kill a bunch of, of bad guys. 
somebody's taken. Which he's very prepared for as a snowplow operator. <laughs> you know, there's a, here's how you drive the plow. Here's how it goes up and down. Here's how you murder yeah. a number of yeah. bad guys. Sure. You know, that's the standard training, I think. For it's part of the three-week, three-day training yes. course of Day snowplow. one, get in the plow. Day two, here's how it goes up and down. Day you three, know. how to kill a man. How to kill a man with a... <laughs> With snow, <laughs> I murdered. It was the snow. You just oh. you just pack the snow into the eye cavity yeah. as it, hard as you can. Snow punch. <laughs> That's a way that you can kill a man with snow. Oh gosh. Um. Okay. So Ron Perlman, I, I know what you mean. He he's a very charismatic dude, <clears throat> who's who's usually behind some sort of makeup. He's like a Hellboy. Like, yeah. Uh, he he's a B movie star. Yeah, and the I think the only reason that he he's not like a rock level performer, because he has all the charisma of like a rock, but he's got that radio face. Yeah, he's an ugly fellow. <laughs> he, he's not attractive. He appears to be wearing prosthetics, even though he's not. He's, he's got the furrowed brow. He has a, a continuously furrowed brow and kind of a long face. I saw. Did you did you see the scene? Did you notice where he's like tripping acid, and then a chipmunk scurried across his brow, his and it furrowed, and it got caught in his yes. furrow. It was just for a second or That's so. That's how furrowed his brow is. His brow is so furrowed, <laughs> it, it trapped can, the chipmunk. It can trap small rodents. <laughs> oh, Go he's... home, try it. Try and furrow <laughs> your brow so much that you can catch a rodent in your furrowed yeah. brow. I don't know how you do that. Not gonna happen. There's no amount of tape in the world that's gonna pull that smooth. Nope. Um, but but he he was really good in it. He and I'm glad that he was in it as much as he was. He really was like the star of the movie. Yeah. And um, this is the first time I think I've really noticed um, uh, Rupert Grint in anything after the Harry Potter movies. And he he very much felt like he was playing Ron Weasley. It was it, it had it because he was the character was always behind the eight ball yeah he was always oh i'm trying to i, I gotta get out of this yeah oh now i gotta get out of this yeah, yeah. and he was kind of this cowardly little guy yeah that was oh what, what do i do i was like yeah. okay you're definitely playing to your strengths there ron right, but right. uh not you ron ron weasley um, oh sure sure different ron he he was playing like a very charming british ben stiller type yes. performance and with horrible clothes oh well it was the 70s practically the late 60s yeah. What did you think of the uh, Leon character, his roommate? Uh, he, he was in. I, I try I, as I was watching. I was looking all these guys up because I've watched a lot of British films. Yeah. And in uh, what a lot of people might not know is in British television and British cinema, there's like five actors, and so they're in everything. So yeah. I was trying to find. It's like okay, now are any of these people think people that I know from other stuff? Yeah. And he really had. I mean, like there, I wasn't familiar with. I, I don't think really anybody else. Um. He was, he was an interesting character because he was almost like there was a, there was a, a comedic element to the movie. Yeah. It was it was this good mixture of Ron Perlman serious. Yeah. We're trying to film. We gotta we gotta make a, a fake lunar landing film. Yeah. He's got that. He's driving the serious. It's a very silly plot. It's very yeah. very silly plot. It, it's um, and then you have Rupert Grint who's like, oh, everything he does just falls apart. So it's like you have this comedy of errors happening at the same time as a very straight-laced, serious government man's trying to get something done. Oh, and then in the middle you have this Leon character that's just kind of like this, he's nearly slapstick. He, he's like every um, 
slacker stoner flatmate in movies that I've seen. Like, yes. Do you remember the movie with Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts? Notting Hill. Yeah, that you know the roommate. Lucy Fonz. Yeah, he kind of reminded me of that guy. Absolutely. Uh, but, but I enjoyed him. He was pretty. F- he he was funny. What yeah. he was what he was doing was good. But yeah, it's such a it was such a crazy stretch of a movie because Grant in the beginning of the movie, Ron Weasley was the manager of this really crappy local band that wasn't hitting. It reminded me of the Strokes. Super obnoxious lead singer, yeah. you know. Um, and, and then he finds himself in this position uh, to where he just, you know, Perlman shows up with a literal briefcase of money. Full of cash. Just full of cash. And he's just offering this cash that they make this film. And, and, you know, Weasley's just like, I'm just going to call him Ron Weasley. That's fine. <coughs> He's we- Weasley. Weasley, just, he just goes along with it because the guy's opposite really was, who was the agent of Stanley Kubrick, um, was away. He, he had a bad drug uh, trip or something. Yes. You know, he sno- snorted some coke and his nose was bleeding. bleeding. He walks away. Uh, instead of kicking him out of his office because, you know, he clearly was just fucking with him in that position. He was not going to give him any help. Um, Perlman shows up right at the perfect time. Uh, and then, of course, like his picture, like he doesn't know what Stanley Kubrick looks like. It gets like destroyed. It's that comedy of errors. Oh, it's yeah. Com- it's a comedy of errors. And then we're in this situation where this real strange sort of uh, flamboyant um, 60s era director, it's this movie, this moon landing film falls into his lap. Yes. And his, his previous six big movie was like, I think just him jumping around in slow motion, slow motion trampoline. with goofy sound effects playing. Yes. <laughs> and everyone is marveling at him. Oh my God, oh. they're just blown away. Well, they're all on acid and tripping yeah. balls and stuff. So it, it was a very silly movie. Um, you know, I, what, how would you grade this movie? <clears throat> well, what I liked um, there, uh, I think when, when, I, when we uh, were talking about it uh, when, at work at uh, Benjamin Moore Paint Store, um, <laughs> When we were discussing the film. Or when we were shaking the cans of yes. paint. And <laughs> putting the wallpaper books back on yeah. the shelves. Oh, I hate um, it when people get on all the books and they never put them away. Mm. Come on, man. Oh. Put your books back. Put it back. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I digress. we digress. Yeah. Um, there, there, was, there was a part, um, probably kind of between the bridge, between the second and third act, I would say, where it, it faltered a little bit, but I, I liked at the end... The ending to me, the third act, brings it all home because there was an element that reminded me of uh, British gangster films of the late 90s, early 2000s, um, Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch. Snatch, yeah. <clears throat> Those kinds of films. The movie was violent. It, it takes a really violent turn in the third act at the end, but it does so in that way that fits perfectly for things to work out for the protagonist. There are two or three just startling beheadings. Yes, in this, by People way of shotguns, lose their minds. Oh my God! Via like decapitation. It 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 happened a handful of times, and it, it just it startled me every time. It was violent. Yeah, they it they were pioneering a new head being blown off with a shotgun technology yeah. in this movie. Can how many heads can we blow off <laughs> feasibly? Well, even in the beginning of the movie, where he's he's you know he was in Vietnam, Ron Perlman's character. And he's he's having this horrible nightmare. Having these flashbacks. Yeah, and he's, they, you know, he's like beating this, you know, fella. <laughs> this this guy, you know, Vietnamese man, 
and like the the you know the camera kind of does like a rotation and it it goes it was a real interesting shot of seamlessly transitioning from the world of the Vietnam you know in the bush to his hotel room so they they were doing some really interesting shots in this movie yeah it's worth seeing I think. yeah i would i would definitely i would definitely say it's worth seeing i will say i nodded asleep at one point in the movie <laughs> there the i think the the only thing it might have been the part you're talking about that's that's where it felt like it dipped a little bit and that's yeah. the i think that's the only thing that i would really i would knock it for it it, it doesn't grab you and keep you the entire time um but it, it does do a good job of you know starting out a good story putting it together they kind of you know dance around a little bit to where it, you can get distracted yeah. but then they bring it home at the end they really and, and they stuck the landing they though. stuck they stuck the landing I, no if you pun stick intended. around yeah <laughs> lunar landing the lunar landing <laughs> yeah they I, I thought that it, it had a it's a very worthwhile movie it, yes. it had a good ending uh the, the scene where you're saying it kind of turns into that like old 2000 style like british gangster type it, it really does feel that way yeah um which is odd because it's hellboy and Ron Weasley. Yeah. And I, I don't really know who else was in the movie that I can think of. Uh, but, you know, no good one. movie. How would you rate it on your scale? What's um, your scale? How do you scale? like to rate movies? Um, I'll stay with the same scale, just okay. for continuity. Okay. Because we don't want any continuity errors. No, no. we sure don't. That's not us. <laughs> That's a movie <laughs> joke. Continuity errors. <laughs> <sighs> <That's funny. sighs> I, will gi- I will give this... Um, let's see. I'll give it. I'll give it a, uh, a, a seventy-two hmm. out of a hundred. That seems like a really fair grade. I, I, it's it's one of those. It's it's a it's a solid. It's it, I would seventy-two. I mean, on the old scholarly scale, that would be a D. Yeah. But, but I think you know, on a movie a scale, that I think this is good. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's that's a good score on a movie. Scale. Yeah. I feel like on a movie scale, if you go one hundred. 60 is good. Yeah. Anything above 70 is a recommend. Yeah. You know, you could recommend yep. it, but it's a 72, so pull back a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, there are some problems in that transition between the second and third. And I, I will note, um, typically, I don't love movies set in the 70s, mm. which technically this is set in 1969. Yeah. But it's nearly 70s. I, there's, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying there's not good movies that are set or made in the 70s. But I, it's just that whole time frame. I don't tend to. Is really it just think. the aesthetic? I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just like there's, like I, I like I, I dig the '60s. Yeah. And I love the '80s. It's just for and I, there are movies that are set in or filmed in the '70s that I enjoy, but just for whatever reason, just I don't know if it's. I, I think it's the whole motif of the '70s, the clothes, the environment, the atmosphere. I just I have a hard time with it. So for yeah. this, I f- that was I, that was, that was a hill for me to get over. Yeah. And I think so. They, they had to fight their way out of that yeah. bias. Yep. Yeah. Immediately. And they did. And I think they did a good job. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah, fair the job. As I said to you on the phone, we have a proposal for Mr. Kubrick that he needs to take extremely seriously. Yeah. Cool. The, the, There's the a considerable amount of money in this project. Should Mr. Kubrick decide to say yes, for him and for you? Huh? Now this is a project of extreme importance to my employers. And it's incredibly time sensitive. But there's nothing else I can say without Mr. Kubrick, but um, I'll be available to discuss this all afternoon. There's a number you can reach me at. Mr. Kubrick accepts our proposal, he gets the money. 
Okay, so that was fun. I, I look yes. forward to doing another one of those vice versas. Yes. Uh, in the in the third segment of this show, we're going to do something a little different, but similar. Uh, I feel like we're going to do a little bit of window dressing, but the same thing. Yes. <laughs> every week. You know why? Because that's really easy. <laughs> easy. That's what we I are. I love easy things. That's how we do. Yes. All right, so moving on to the next segment, we're going to talk about uh since this is the sequel to the the sequel yeah <laughs> we're gonna do you know last week we did uh guilty pleasures uh movies that you know maybe technically aren't great movies but we enjoyed yes um this week we're gonna do shitty sequels yes. uh, mo- movies that we had high hopes for um but were ultimately disappointed but ultimately were shitty and and sometimes you can enjoy a movie in later viewings uh but these movies you know, no bueno. I mean, I just, oh, I, I, and I have, God, Adam, I have so many movies I jotted down. I'm having, I'm going to have trouble. I'm just going to end up picking movies in the moment. That's Maybe, fine. maybe That's perhaps fine. just off the ebb and flow of your picks, like whatever you decide to go with, I may change direction. It was, it was, it was hard because um, I, I started off, I started off just to get myself in the right frame of things. Mm-hmm. I just Googled the worst movies, yeah. list of worst and things. I'm just started going yeah. and seeing what you know. What are kind of some of the typical? And a lot of what you'll find um, is you'll find movie franchises, especially horror franchises, yeah. where you get into the later films. It just, I mean, they're just it's an annual cash grab that like we can yeah. throw a Freddy film, we can throw a Jason film, we can throw a Saw film, you know, whatever. Yeah. We'll make some money. And it, they don't put a lot of emphasis into those. And so I, after I did that, I tried, because I, ha- I had a lot. There's, I mean, there's, yeah. when you get into franchise, you know, large franchise movies that have four or five, six plus installments, you can get into some really not great movies. Sure, sure. So I tried, I was like, all right, again, I, I tried again to, to spread the genres around so I didn't just stay in horror. I comedy. like that you do that. I tried to really kind of keep it um, as, as dynamic as I could. We're and nothing if not eclectic. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and in that I really I really tried to limit it to um, I do have one that's a fourth installment of a franchise, but I tried to keep it to um, either the second or third in the rest of them just because. You know, it's interesting that you brought up the whole like I googled, you know, worst movies or whatever. Like I, I in preparation for these types of shows, this isn't my first rodeo. So I You're do a similar seasoned things. veteran. I am a seasoned vet I'm after over 50 episodes over on the other podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I'll do similar things, but uh, I try. I don't want to. I don't want to just grab yeah. movies off the top of the lists. Uh, I, I and, and there there was an interesting uh, article that I read that was movies that killed franchises, uh, and I feel like that speaks to what you're talking about. Yeah. Like once you get three, four, five movies deep into a franchise. It, the, it you're gonna eventually there's there's it's you know hard. diminishing returns after every one of these movies and yeah there's movies it's just gonna end it so I tried to stay away from those as well and in fact there's one movie there's like there's one movie on mine that I'm pretty sure I'm gonna choose no matter what that it it could have killed the franchise but it came the franchise came back so strong afterwards and I'm so grateful because there's been some there's been so many good movies in the in the franchise. It makes you want to. Uh, um, <laughs> there's there's a couple experience. of franchises. If you were to say that to me, two or three would pop into my head. So we'll we'll just make it a little tasty surprise. You you can say whether or not you thought of it when when it gets to it. Jason okay. takes Manhattan. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Uh, because as you alluded to, and I think in our last episode, you watched every one of those Friday the 13th movies in a marathon. Good God, why would you? And it was a poor choice. It was a very poor choice. I have a patterned history of making very poor choices. You have a history of seeing things through to the end. Yes. Even though like you should, you should have, after three movies, just said, oh my Lord, I have so many other things. There's good movies I could be watching. Why There's... am I... Why am I punishing myself right now so many better things i could be doing with my time right now <laughs> i could be reading with your kid i could be enriching myself <laughs> i could be learning portuguese but i didn't instead i watched jason get on a boat kill a bunch of kids and then get in manhattan and start <laughs> hacking people up look there's jason in manhattan and no one notices do you think the folks in manhattan were excited to see that hey look it's that jason guy it's us i killed a bunch of kids good for you all right adam why don't why yes. don't you lead us off with all your right. first Shitty sequel. All right. Uh, the, and these are in no particular order. Yeah, we're going to do 10 total. Adam's going to choose five, and then yes. I'll choose five. All right. My, my, my first one, this, this was literally the first one that popped in my head, even thinking about it. Okay. Um, and, it's, and it's hard. It's hard because it's, it's from a franchise. This is, this is the fourth installment from the franchise. Uh-huh. And it's a franchise that I love, a franchise that I grew up with. This okay. is Indiana Jones oh. and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. There. I did. All right. And it was, it was just, and I feel bad, but I really didn't like it. It's, it's one of those, like, I, I, I had such a, such a fondness. I saw Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in theaters with my mom. Mm. Loved that movie. Oh yeah, that would be a great Watched memory. Watched all three of them so many times. Yeah. And then like, hi, oh, Indiana Jones is coming back. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're going to get another Indiana Jones. And there was like a period of 15, 20 years where they would, they were teasing yeah. Indiana Jones coming back. I remember going back to the late '90s, yeah. them talking about making a comeback. So that movie, and it came out in, uh, let's see, I want to pull it up here, um, no, no, 2008. So it's Two, been 10 years 10 ago. Years. 10 years ago. This this past summer is 10 years. And they're talking about, they're, <laughs> it's, I think it's a done deal at this point, um, that they're going to make a fifth one. They pushed it back. It was actually, I think, yeah. like getting ready to be going into filming. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, Harrison's 10 years older than that now. He, and he was... But I thought he looked great. He, he, he was passable. Yeah. He was passable. He really now. was. Um, it, and it's, oh, that's one of the things, kind of what makes it harder as a franchise goes on, is so many characters from the original ones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who is the, who's the square little guy that uh, would, would um, run around with Indiana Jones? Um, Short round? No, the, the, <laughs> the other the guy from the... Um, uh, oh, uh, Marcus? Yeah, Marcus. Marcus Brody? Yeah, Marcus Brody. That, I mean, he's, he's gone. Yeah, he died. Um, so, you know, there's, there's so many... They, it was nice. I like that they paid um, homage to um, his dad. I mean, yeah. Sean Connery's not dead, but he didn't reprise his role. Obviously. He's retired now. He's, he's out of the game. Yeah. Marcus Brody, the actor that played him, is dead, so he's, he's not coming back. Um, it was fun that they got Karen Allen to come back. Very cool. That was, that was a cool... It was nice... The, the one thing about that that I'm really starting to, I'm starting to debate on whether or not I really enjoy that, is there's so many of these movies, uh, I know we've talked, Star Wars has been doing it, um, the Jurassic Park franchise has really done that, has mm-hmm. relied heavily on that in their kind of next go around, but all these movies that were great decades ago, yeah. bringing back characters from the originals yeah. to make you feel that nostalgia and want to see it. Yeah, because um, you want to know what happened. Exactly, them. and yeah. it was... I liked Karen Allen's performance in it, and I thought that Kate uh, um, Blanchett as the as the villain, she, she was, was very interesting. She was a compelling enough villain. It was nice they kind of switched it yeah. up. They were still, I think, if I remember correctly, they were still some kind of Nazi faction 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they he's forever fighting Nazis. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those like the fallout of the Third Reich. Ah, <coughs> oh, Nazis everywhere. Because it was set in like the fifties, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it was you know, hey, those Nazis are still trying. You know, they we had they lost the world wars. Well, the thing that they were probably really counting on was that Shia LaBeouf would uh, kind of carry the franchise ahead. Yeah, and he just it was like the his his whole character. Uh, I mean, they they were banking. It seemed like they were definitively banking on oh, yeah. his uh, prowess in the public eye at that point. Well, he was in three successful Transformers movies. Yeah. He, he could carry. He could kind of not carry a, a franchise. Like the Transformers is what carry the franchise. Yeah. But he 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 can he could be that guy. He could be like your Steve Gutenberg. Yes. You know. <laughs> he can he be is that. A, he's that a very character. valid Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> I don't mean that in a. In a pejorative way at I all. I look forward to seeing Shia LaBeouf <laughs> in the big green too. Don't, wouldn't you love to see him as the new Mahoney in a police academy? I would actually enjoy that. I'm not, I, I, I would actually enjoy that. I could see Shia LaBeouf as the Mahoney. I really like Shia LaBeouf. I even really dig him in these like, weird roles that he picks nowadays. Yeah, he just, he went out, he went off the deep end. And that's one of those things yeah. you can't do if you want to be a prominent well, he yeah. was like publicly butting heads with Michael Bay. Yeah, he was, and then he was just doing weird stuff. Yeah, he was. He was, doing weird he was like, stuff. "I'm gonna do weird stuff because that'll get me attention." I'm like, gonna wear a sack on my head and then tell you not to pay attention to me. You already have everyone's attention. Why yeah. do you need more? What attention is it you're not getting? Yeah, he's um, a b- bizarre actor. But he's, he's like, he's always always combing his hair. He's, you know, he's like that. He's like that '50s yeah greaser, wanna, greaser yeah wannabe motorcycle mutt, kid mud like, what was his name mud I think it was, or I think it was mutt I think it was mutt, mutt. Okay, I was just yeah. like mutt it's like this is the guy that's gonna take over for Indiana Jones the thing I did not care for about Indiana Jones Crystal Skull one of the reasons where they started losing me was they made Indy ride bitch on the motorcycle yeah. for too long he at least Jones Senior got to ride in the side carriage in yep. the Last Crusade. You do not make Indy right, bitch. He's Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> His name is in the title of the movie. Yeah. He's the reason you're there. Right. But, you know, I, I enjoy the movie. I, it was a very successful movie. It was. Uh, it was one of the top grossing films of that year, I remember. Uh, the Aliens is the sticking point for that's, the majority of fans. That's what, that's what it was just like, <laughs> what? The Crystal Skull is an alien skull. Yeah. The whole it looks spaceship. like an alien skull. We shouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, I was like, uh, those, it was like the, that's like, an alien. Is, that's an alien head. <laughs> it's Clearly. A, it's a magnetic crystal alien head. Yeah. For some reason. But once you actually saw the, you know, flying saucer come up from the ground or whatever, you're just like, woof. Like, what? I don't know. What? Where have we gotten ourselves to? Because this is not where we... I mean, like once. I mean, when you had the Ark of the Covenant, you've had the Temple of Doom. Yeah. You know, you had reached into the guy's chest, pulling the heart out. Ah, Kalima. Freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> oh yeah. And I was terrified. But it was great. So, and then, you know, and then you, the the Last Crusade, you know, no ticket. You know, oh, it's great line. They they better, Indy better be after some sort of biblical relic. Yeah. An artifact in this new movie. Well, because I mean, there's a whole thing. Is he's an archaeologist? Yeah. It's like oh. He found aliens. Well, he came into play because they were looking for the city. Yeah. The lost city, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but, you know. It, they, it, was, it was just, it was, having been so long 
and hyped so much is oh my goodness Indiana Jones is back and then you go and you watch like why did Indiana Jones come back <laughs> and of course this is the movie that spawned that South Park Lucas and Spielberg are raping our childhood <laughs> Were they the kids are it was like full-on Jodie Foster on a yeah. pinball machine <laughs> yep and and that just kind of became the internet's mantra yeah. for the next 10 years is stop raping my child stop it ouch so i don't know i liked it okay i, I hated those ants oh yeah i did not care for the scenes where shia labeouf is swinging from vine to vine it just is like oh lucas cut that out there there were not enough really great positive notes to overwhelm the fact of how I did many like the mistakes. refrigerator scene though. I know people that hated was, that. I, I, I read all the time people saying how unbelievable that is. The, but the opening to the movie, that that whole sequence, that whole opening sequence, I loved. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, that looked very uh, believable. Yeah. You know, because it was a callback to Raiders. You know, they're in that, you know, mysterious storage big warehouse. And they even there. have when they're, you know, driving around there, you know, he's trying to get away from the Nazis again. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. have that cut, that scene where they go, oh, look, the box is over. Oh, it's the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. It was a cool little nod back to it, that. It was like a that. strong start. It was, and then it just... Yeah, it, it unraveled. Okay. So that is my that is my first shitty sequel. Excuse me, Dr. Jones? Yes? Um, I just had a question on Hargrove's normative culture model. Forget Hargrove. Okay. Read Ver Gordon Child on diffusionism. He spent most of his life in the field. Archaeologist, you gotta get out of the library. Okay, my first shitty sequel is also one of the worst movies ever. So it carries two, it, it's got two things hanging around its neck, and that is the 2003 comedy Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I ever actually made it to that one. I know I saw the first one and enjoyed it. The first one is cute. Yeah. Um, my wife, Laura, was a huge, huge fan of that movie. She loves Reese Witherspoon, as most people from that, most girls of her age in that time did. Um, and, you know, the first one was cute. You know, she she's this sort of airhead who's very smart, but chooses to just be herself. Yep. And she, you know, she gets accepted into law school and it's a positive movie you know like i there was a tone that there was a respectable tone in the nature of the movie yep but in the second movie and i won't i don't want to spend a whole lot of time because i i only saw it the once and was it was one of the most miserable movie going experiences ever for me if i had if i was by myself it would have been the second movie i ever walked out <laughs> of <laughs> it was so bad so in this movie here um, so of course it's 2003. There has to be a tiny, like baked potato-sized dog. Yes. Prominent in the story, like a la Paris Hilton. Yes. She has this Chihuahua um, called Bruiser, and uh, she's this successful attorney. It's a continuation of the first movie, and she's gonna help her dog Bruiser find his mother. That is an interesting direction to take anything this whole movie is about the dog and yeah. there are lots of shifts in this story 
that that revolve around this dog. So she hires a private investigator. Yeah. He finds the dog, shows up in the office with the manila envelope, you know, typical like, you know, movie film noir style detective. Pops up the um the, the black and white like husband cheating on his wife style photos, finds the dog. It's a, actually it's like a damn portrait shot of this other chihuahua and they and then like you know reese weatherspoon's like oh it's your mother look i can tell from the cheekbones and then they they're immediately like off to where to find the dog the dog's mother they find the mother and it turns out that the dog is in one of those um revlon like uh testing facilities where they put the makeup on the dog and they're outraged because you know, Bruiser's mother is a test dog. So she decides she's going to fly to Washington to try and make this bill to save, to, to prevent animal testing, basically. So it's like, it's it's a worthy enough cause to want to go to Washington for, I guess. But it the way they get there is just such a weird thing. Does she just genuinely not understand the legislative process? <laughs> well, she's this lawyer, really like good it's, lawyer. It's, it's like, ah, oh, we're going to go through Congress to get this law passed. Like, really? And, you know, like I said, I don't want to give too much. Like, It makes me sad that they wrote people like Sally Field and Bob Newhart into this movie. Oh. You know, they're in oh, this. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge, who's usually pretty funny. Did Luke Wilson come back? He did, I think, for like a, a minute. He showed up for like a minute for like just so they could say he was in it, I guess. But the best part of the movie is when it was over. (laughs) Thank God this movie's over. And, you know, like I'm totally doing that like a-hole boyfriend thing. I'm just like (laughs) sighing deeply. (sighs) This movie sucks. It's like every dumb part of the movie. And by the way, she agrees it was terrible. She was very disappointed. She actually really loved the first movie. So even though like I, I'm I'm this this is a movie that like I'm I'm earning points to go see. So she knows I don't even want to see this thing. So the fact that like the movie sucks, I'm sighing heavily next to her. All of those things just made for a really miserable movie going experience. But the best part is when Bruiser uh, has a sexual encounter with a male Doberman Pinscher. And they have this really cute scene where, like, the the judge who's presiding over the whether or not this bill uh, goes, like, you know, into effect. Uh, he, he owns this, like, really masculine Doberman Pinscher Rottweiler thing. Well, they get it on and bone, and they learn that the dog is gay. And at the moment of they realizing the dog is gay, by the way, in the very next scene, Bruiser's wearing, like, this diamond-studded vest. <laughs> like, they dress the dog in the most stereotypically, like, YMCA village person gay outfit. This I don't know if they were trying to be kind of progressive. This hurts. It's Even terrible. listening to this hurts. It's awful, man. <laughs> it's so bad. But it it's a terrible watch. Shame on you, Reese Witherspoon. It was just a year or so later that she won an Academy Award for, you know, as, as uh, in Walk the Line. Oh, yeah. She wasn't, you know, thank God there weren't, you know, careers that ended because of this movie. That, yeah. But it is so bad. And it's so stupid. Yeah. That it, it feels almost like they're trolling their fans it's of the, the first movie. Because it, it, I feel like they're more making fun of her in this movie than they were in the first movie. 
you know, it was the it was the short sighted, you know, um, uppity Harvard kids who just saw yeah. her as like this, you know, dumb blonde, and they all came around in the end because she showed her worth. But they they play into the stereotypes in a negative way in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it it feels like it was like, hey, we should make another one of those Legally Blonde movies. Like, yeah, yeah we should. How do we ensure it doesn't become a trilogy? Yeah, let's make this version. I feel like Reese Witherspoon said no a bunch of times, and she said, okay, I'll make another one, but we have to make it the worst movie ever. Yeah, We're, let's bury this franchise. Yeah, I don't let's ever want to play deep. this character again. I'm done with L, whatever her name is. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my first shitty sequel. The canines are both male. Your dogs are gay. That is, that is, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, All what's right. your second shitty sequel? My second one. All right, I did, I did bounce over to, uh, to horror, and there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of really bad horror sequels oh yeah um there and, is, and that almost makes them good yeah there's no shortage of of bad sequels especially because like i said you can get into um troll 2 you troll 2 nightmare on elm street 2 um, i hope those aren't two of your movies no <laughs> and uh, Night, nightmare on elm street 2 uh, i think i think what hurt that one the most was the fact that freddie was not in it as much. not much yeah that's that's it's because it's kind of like what hurt because uh, I was really tempted to do Halloween 3, um, Season of the Witch. Um, oh, okay. Because even when you understand why it doesn't have Michael Myers in it, it's yep. still not a great movie. It's really It has rough. its fans. It does. Um, I don't know but why. But I, yeah. I am with you. It's not, it's not one of my favorites. No. I like the Silver Shamrock song. That, it's, it's a catchy tune. <laughs> it's very catchy. It's meant to get in your head and stay there for days on end. Um, but I, what I did was uh, I went with a franchise that was... There was a fledgling. Uh, it was back in the, oh, what was it, uh, early 2000s, late mm-hmm. 90s, early 2000s, okay. when, when we started bringing everything over from Japan. Oh, no. Um, I went with The Ring 2. Oh, no. I knew you were going to go there. The Ring 2. Oh, gosh. You're right, though. That movie was bad. It was bad. The, the, because the first one, The Ring, mm-hmm. uh, the American adaptation of Ringu. Ringu. Which I think there were like, I want to say there were three or four of them in, in Japan. Um, but the second one is the first one really hits well, and it's a PG thirteen. Yeah, it's a PG thirteen horror movie, which is um, I know when James Wan set out to do the Insidious series, yeah. he did so specifically with a PG thirteen franchise in mind, because it seems like it's too hard to make a genuinely scary PG thirteen movie yeah. without the gore, without the violence, without all of the things that typically are included in a horror franchise. And so to have such a compelling PG-13, genuinely scary um, movie. That movie legit unnerved me. Yes. It was, and it was, it was, um, it was interesting too. I mean, there was, there was a mystery to it. I mean, there was something that. Uh, oh God, they got Sissy Spacek in that movie. They, uh, they, uh, they. Gary Cole? Yeah. And it was, it was just not great. Because um, they ended on such a strong note. And uh, what's interesting is. Uh, rings the the third entry into the is that uh, the more recent one that's the more recent one years ago it came out a few years ago i uh 
I, I got that one and I watched it and I actually enjoyed that one. I think it has uh, it's the one where they're like on a plane. Um, this the what what the rings did is kind of the same thing that uh, Scream Four did, where it brought the same story to a new generation. Where mm-hmm. um, the whole deal with the ring was she had to make a copy. She made a copy of the of the film, and that's how her how she was able. Well, to it was also a video cassette. Too. Yeah, like that's just not gonna <coughs> that's not gonna work nowadays. So these everybody was they were they had. Um, I want to say for some reason um, that it was Johnny Galecki, but I don't, I, I'm not 100% on that. Um, it was somebody like that. Um, but he, he was a college professor and he gets a whole. Johnny Galecki was in okay. it. Yeah. So was uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. It was, it was a good, it was, it was an, an enjoyable movie um, oh. for having so much time in between the second and third one. You might and let me borrow that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> the, having the, the, the second one be such a piece of crap. Yeah. Um, I, I think my favorite scene out of all of it uh, was with the deer. I don't know if you remember that scene. Oh, that was bizarre. They yeah. were driving. It was it yeah. was um, uh, Naomi Watts and her creepy little son, which that was one of the things that hurt was in the first one, <laughs> he was a really genuinely creepy little kid. Yeah. Um, then he grew up a little bit in between the first and the second one. So he was still kind of creepy, but yeah. he was more bordering into that awkward, weird, just kind of like, oh, this kid's kind of just weird. Oh um, God! It's like the Jesse Eisenberg. Effect. Yeah, we're just like, <laughs> or no, not Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, Michael uh, Sarah. Michael Sarah. <laughs> Michael Sarah. Like, oh, he's a cute kid. Oh, I don't like oh. Michael Sarah as a tween oh. or like young he's, adult. He looks <laughs> like a pedophile. Yeah, oh. bit, bit much, bit much. But yeah, so the the kid, he was less creepy, less ominous, so that didn't help it. And then it was just uh, the the whole story. I mean, the storyline was convoluted. The, there was one decent creepy scene for me. I think they were at some sort of festival or yeah. fair, and the little boy goes into the bathroom, bathroom, and you see the girl in the background, yeah. and I feel like she she kind of like moves towards him in this very yep. unnatural way, if I'm remembering it correctly. Yep. And I was practically asleep at this point in the movie, yeah. so it, that might have had some effect too. I was so bored and disappointed up to that point. It, it was because the first one came out so strong, you thought, yeah. okay, this one, we're going we're gonna to duplicate that or come close to at least, and they just didn't. No. They just did I mean, there, there Have was, you seen Ringo 2? Is it like the, the American Ring 2? Um, I, I haven't seen it. I think I may have watched part of the original Japanese one. I think yeah. I watched the Japanese Grudge movies. But I don't yeah, think I watched the, the Japanese Ring movies. Well, I, I, I thought for a second you were going to say The Grudge 2, which was also awful. Yeah. But Ring Ring 2 is, I think, worse. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have the kind of resolution. I don't like when they try to have a resolution yeah. to a character like the girl. Samara. Samara. I don't like when they... Because it's almost like they're, they're saying, we, we kind of know this is the end of the franchise. We, we want to put this... We want to resolve this. Yeah. And I, I just didn't like the way they did it by no. going down into the well with her. No, it was the, the it was it was just a very 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 disappointing. Like after I remember after watching, it was like, what the hell was that? Yeah. Like, like, and I really, I mean, like, it was. It started off as like, okay, yeah, we're back. I'm watching. It's like, okay, so there's the deer are all that was just upset. strange and out of nowhere. I was like, okay, so she's trying to get to this world through her kid. Yeah. Uh, okay, what? And then it was just like, yeah, I'm. I just, I don't need to anything to do with this. This is it's, just. It's interesting because Naomi Watts is typically like a really well-respected actor yeah. too. 
and you, you like to have a good actor that's anchoring a scary movie that's make-believe. Yeah. It, it adds a bit of gravitas to it, a little bit of realism. and, well, and, and She was cash. That was a cash grab for her. Because her. her character, the whole dynamic of the first one was she was she was an adult and she was a, a respected journalist. Um, but it was she was irres- so irresponsible as a mom that her l- young child was the one that was really taking care of her because I think he used to call her by her first name. Yeah. And so you had this, like, by the end of the movie, you had this role shift of he was taking care of her just in their general day-to-day life to where she really came back into, she protected him and she was taking care of him. She she grew as, as, a, as an individual. And you come into the second one and it was just like, okay, we just throw all that away because we don't care about their roles. We don't care about who they were. We don't care about how they've grown. It was just like, all right, let's slap them in another movie, mm-hmm. get the... Creepy water girl with the scraggly hair and unnatural movements. <laughs> that still gets me, man. Yes. I gotta admit, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a genuinely creepy effect. Yeah, yeah. But they just it misapplies the second one. They skip that one. Go to the third one. Just okay. omit the ring two and go to rings. And okay. Rings is, in my opinion, genuinely worth a watch. Cool. That rings is one of the movies that I noticed popped up in bad sequels from yep. time to time in, in like some uh, articles I, I read. But I, I would also see good movies, like movies that I really like. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, that's not fair. That's, that's no. not a bad movie. So it's subjective. But that's that's a good shitty yep. pick. Not not a fan of that movie, and it kind of killed the franchise. Yeah. Okay, is it my turn? It is your turn. Numero dos. Let's see. Do I have any horror movies that I could counter that with? Mm, I, I, You know what? Because of what we talked about, like it's so easy to pick on yeah. horror movies. I think I just sort of avoided them. Okay, so my next shitty sequel is going to be um, Alien 3. Okay. Alien 3, the third movie in the in the series, obviously, Alien Squared. Um, I, right off the bat, they kill Newt, and they kill the other guy. Yep. And what the F? Why? Why would you do that? It's such a weird decision. And, you know, you, you had all this emotionally invested, like that great escape in Aliens. Alien and Aliens are two of the best movies in their respective genres yeah. ever you know so alien had alien 3 had so much to live up to and it was david fincher's first, first movie yeah. as a director oddly I hate, he, I hate that his name's attached to it it smacks of like one of those deals where he he probably had a vision and the executives were like no this is alien you know, you're. You know, we like the way you shoot things. You light it, Mr. Director Man. We're we're gonna tell you how this movie's gonna go. And for whatever reason, they decided to put Ridley, Ripley, 
on this colony of, of, of crooks. Yep. And, but they, 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 but she's like a prisoner also. Or yeah. I, I, and I'm trying to remember, was she a prisoner or was she, cause she shaves her head and you know, she, I feel like she's with the population more than she, so she had to be like a prisoner. It just didn't make sense. Yeah, I'm trying. The last time I watched it, because I went through the entire series right before, um, uh, not Prometheus, but whatever the um, the most recent Alien. Oh, movie. Covenant. Yeah. Yeah. I watched. I rewatched all of them right before that. I haven't seen Alien Three since it came out in 1992. I hated it so much. It's uh, because what it um, having watched them in succession, it, because you have the first Alien movie, which yeah. is fantastic. It's yeah. it's a all it's a slasher them, movie, kind of. You know, it's them, like a suspenseful. It's kinda. it's it's. Um, I mean, it's a Hitchcockian, it almost a borderline horror movie. Yeah. You know, in in so much that the suspense is is palpable in the tension. Oh God. You yeah. uh, you hardly ever see the the alien. Yep. It's just it's the the presence of it being there and the fact that it's picking off survivors one by one. Yep. Creates a really intense borderline horrific kind awesome of awesome cast it, I mean, it's, it's such i mean such a great movie yeah and then you go into the second one and you have similar notes but it's like they jump from the horror space genre to james cameron's to action to an action no, yeah. space genre. i mean like they, they were like all right we're gonna put a bunch more aliens in there we want to get some commandos in there yeah we're gonna start blowing you know blowing these aliens away it's gonna be this big fight oh yeah and it was great because it it successfully changed tones really well yep and then they go to the third one they're like well, what if we just took both of those and mashed them up? Kind of, yeah. Because you had the alien was bouncing around this yeah. space station, picking off people similarly to how it was in the first one, and while at the same time everybody's trying to band together to try and you know catch it and, and blow it up, shoot it, you know, have that action component, and it just really didn't hit. The twist ending I hated too, yeah. though, where like she was impregnated. Yeah. The which is going to lead me to a uh, bugaboo of mine with the entire Alien franchise is how inconsistent the pregnancy, like that period of like gestation or whatever. But like the aliens, like in some movies, they seem to go days before they hatch. In Alien versus Predator, a matter of minutes. Yeah. And they're out. And so. It's like whatever suits the storyline. Yeah, pretty much. So there was that scene where like the alien gets to Ridley Ripley. Oh, I keep calling her Ridley. Ridley and it Ridley and it like sees it's it kind of gets up close to her and it's you know that scene yes. looks cool, but it senses like oh you're like one of me now I can't yeah. kill you, and it becomes apparent that oh, well she is damaged because she's like a ticking time bomb now all of a sudden. I didn't want to see Ripley end up that way. And I certainly didn't want to see it end up that way as some stupid plot device yeah. in the third act of the movie. And uh, what what was it like? Was it her clone? Wait, because she shows up at the station right at the at the prison. Yeah. Uh, Sigourney Weaver doesn't she show up as like herself as in some other? I, I can't remember. Like I said, yeah, you'll have to help me out because you've more you've seen it more recently than I have. But that was the real Ripley that was like drifting out in yeah. space, and they found her. Was there another Ripley that came back? I, I think in the in the fourth one, I think it was a clone. Of okay, something. well, yeah, there was that that whole story. But I'm, I'm okay, I'm, maybe that's where I'm getting my clone stuff yeah. mixed up. But yes, they they come out and they they they're like, we want to capture it again. It's that whole that whole storyline, you know? Um, what is it? The Wayland uh, Corporation. The Wayland Corporation hasn't learned their lesson apparently through all the crazy stuff that's happened. 
And then, you know, it ends and the scene falls back into the molten lava. Yeah. Like, what the hell is that doing there? <laughs> I know you just wanted it to be like, well, that was really, like, fans really seem to like that scene in Terminator yeah. 2 where Arnold did Let's the Let's do up. that. Except it sucked. Yeah. So I, I don't even, you know, I, you could speak to it more than, I like Charles S. Dutton. I think yeah. he's a good actor. And, you know, it was a very British, very English cast yeah. as well. So that could have been good. Uh, but I, I really didn't care for the alien itself. Like, it was like a dog-like creature. Yeah. Didn't care for that. And it, it was utilizing, like, this weird kind of first-person yeah. uh, perspective camera trick. Where it's like, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's in those, you know, cells or whatever, those tunnels and yeah. stuff. There, there was just, there was a lot, a lot of notes they tried to hit and they really didn't hit on any of them. No. That was, that was what. And they kind of killed the franchise and then they, they tried to get, they, they rolled Sigourney Weaver out one more time with, with Resurrection. Took it one step further. <laughs> and that was really bad Really too. bad. Oh God. That made it even worse. So, I don't know. Alien 3 is where the franchise should have died. But it's like it was, instead of just putting it out of his misery, they let it kind of fester out in the field for a couple more days before they shot it. Well, it's too too legendary of a a property that people are going to keep trying to make it right. Yeah. And I think they will one day. I actually like Prometheus. I thought it was an interesting movie. I didn't like Covenant. They, they're, it's, uh, they're taking a similar story in different directions. That was, that was one, one of the things with Covenant that I didn't care for was uh, it, just from the onset, you know, like, oh, well, you know, things, things have gone awry. Well, well this is what we were going to do. I'll make an executive decision. Let's go to that planet. Yeah. We've done no research. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, let's, as soon as we get off the spaceship, let's just not put on spaceships. No, suits. yeah. There, there's a whole, it, none of it makes any sense. It's one of those. The r- stupidest spacemen ever. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, okay. But it did have Danny McBride it in did. it. did. <laughs> in a cowboy hat. I wish he'd been just a little bit more Danny McBride, but I was happy that he was there. Oh, Tennessee. Yeah, he was great. We, we could do a whole podcast on why that movie was stupid. Yes. your number three all right number three uh, this is this is one uh, from an, another uh, popular franchise and it's hard because I, I mean I've, I've watched it more than once so it's not necessarily shitty enough for me to not watch it more than once yeah but it is definitively the weakest of the entire franchise and it is it's my it's my comedy okay it's, it's the hangover three Good choice with the hangover in um, two or three you could have three was worse Three was worth two. Two worked because it was the it was the same formula. Um, they they packed they, they doubled down on, on a lot of the jokes, but some of them I thought they really landed well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was nice to see to have it switch up. Um, you know, you you lost the Justin Bartha character. Um, I mean, he was still there. It's not like he was an integral part of the first one. No, not really. But um, he was just a plot device. Yeah, you have you have Ed Helms as kind of the 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 driving force. I love the whole face tattoo thing. Oh, I mean, it was it was fantastic. And then you have um, Alan uh, Zach Galifianakis in a, yeah. in a whole new fashion. He's got his monkey instead of the baby, and that yeah. was just great. And yeah. then um, um, that was a, Brad, that was pretty decent. Brad Cooper, I mean, just as um, 
as kind of the ringleader. He was, yeah. he, he, the everybody gave, I mean, there was very similar performances just in a different setting, yep. but they, I felt like everybody nailed it pretty well. And they, they brought back, um, Leslie Chow. Yes. They brought <laughs> him back. That was, I think that, um, was one of the big missteps for me in the third one. Yeah. Was he was too, too heavily he, featured. He's, he's good in very small doses. He's yeah. good as Ken Jeong. Yes. He's, yeah. he's a fantastic um, garnish to their comedy. He he comes in, he mixes things up yes. really quickly, and then he's out. He bounces. It's because it's such an explosive force. I loved him in the first one. Yes. Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> he he took that role and he owned it when they um because when he was supposed to pop out of the car, I think he was supposed to pop out like in underwear or a diaper or something like that. But he's like, no, I'm totally nude. Uh, we're going. I'm going full Monty here. Like I'm. Well, like, you chucking me around? And then he yeah. like, <laughs> like you did this gesture. <laughs> Everything. Where did you get this? He's uh, like, and he, like, he. I, he's this tiny little man. He's, he's just, he's, he's such a small man, but such a huge presence. And yes. I'm just like, it's so great. And, uh, and so, I mean, the, the third one, because it was, it was, it was like, even, I think even if they'd done the third one, the same as the first and second, if they were just like, all right, we're going to use this formula one more time. Yeah. You know, Alan's going to get married and we're yeah. going to go to a different place and we're going to have, oh, what happened? And like, even if they'd done that, I think it still would have been um, a rough third installment, but I think it would have hit better. Yeah. The whole like, oh, we're, you know, John Goodman is coming after these guys. Yeah, and I love John Goodman. I love John Goodman too. It's like uh, he all usually always adds something good. It was just like okay, good so man. He's like <laughs> he's a like a mob boss kind yeah. of thing, and like oh, he's, they got to get something, and you know, it was just like it was all these weird like just plot it, devices. It's too much Leslie Chow. I think yeah. you nailed it. Yeah. You know what it feels like? You know when you have a popular franchise, a movie franchise. And they get to a point where one of the major stars just decides he's done with the series, yeah. so they have to, they have they have minutes to fill, so they will lean on a secondary character that was very good. Now he's assumed a larger role, yep. but they still had everybody, yep. and he just had more more friend time. It's like it should always be the wolf pack. Yeah, the wolf pack's the best part, and I would have I would have enjoyed more Melissa Carthy scenes, yep. and I would have liked more Leslie Chow scenes. Yep. So, you know, that, that was for sure the misstep. I think you nailed it. And I, I kind of felt that way as I was watching the movie. It's like, man, my God, this has got a Leslie in it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, and there's, I mean, because there, there's a much better story that could have been told in the third installment. Yeah. And I think that's what's so disappointing. You're like, ah. It's interesting premise because, you know, he's depressed or whatever. Yeah. And they, they want, you know, it's such an interesting friend dynamic because they're just kind of stuck with him. Yeah. They would never be his friend in any scenario if he wasn't family. But they, they also kind of tend to, you just feel kind of sorry for him. Yeah. And he means well, and you know that. So, you know, Zach Galifianakis doesn't get nearly enough credit. I, I've, I've loved Zach Galifianakis since 2001 when I first saw him on VH1. He had his own late night show. and everything. Oh, Was it the one with the jeans? The sketch with the jeans where they're like <laughs> testing jeans. Probably was. He it was on VH1 and he was just. I was He's like, a skinny guy. This know? guy is hilarious. Yeah. And like, I loved it. Like, he would play the piano. He did this whole thing. His stand up yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Between Two Ferns is brilliant. Oh. I, do yourself a favor and go down the Between Two Ferns rabbit hole on YouTube. There's a good amount of material there and you will not be disappointed. No. They're really good. Um, but yeah, he. I, I just. he. I love him in everything. He's such a sweet guy. He, he's like John Candy in that way. Like you just yeah. want to immediately root for the guy, but.
but he's so effective at playing this like loser. Yep. You you are repelled by him a, a bit. So it's like out cold. Yeah. Bubble boy. <laughs> all of his fantastic roles. His early career. Uh huh. He was in Bubble Boy. He was in Bubble Boy. Oh my gosh. When when Jake Gyllenhaal comes to buy his ticket, his bus ticket to go. Oh, you're right. He's there. He's the guy in, in the. He oh was in uh, Corky Romano. He was the guy that gave uh, Corky Romano his FBI uh, background. I didn't ever saw. I never oh, saw Corky Romano. That's that one. That one to me is a hidden gem. Oh I, really? I used to laugh at there was. Chris Kattan. There is a scene when he gets into. Uh, um, he accidentally gets into some uh, uh, cocaine. He's uh, he's trying to put, bring it into evidence. And he's wrestling with a police dog, and the bag gets pulled open. He gets cocaine all over his face. And he has to go give a speech to um, these kids that are visiting the FBI. And he's all coked. Uh, he's like, he's like, you got a question? Question? Yes. You question? Yes. No. You got a question? <laughs> question? And then just in the middle of it, he just stops and he's like, I should buy a boat. And there's just <laughs> that line that every like. Are you talking about Chris Kattan in this? I'm talking okay, about okay, Chris okay. Kattan. He's he's a very interesting guy. I liked him on SNL. I really enjoyed his Antonio Banderas. And, uh, you know, of course, what, what was the character? The mango was always kind of funny. So he, he, I like him. He's a serviceable, funny the guy. The Butabi brothers. <laughs> oh, God. Guy of the Roxbury. Yes, good stuff right yeah. there. Um, but he, he's just done. You never yeah. see him in anything anymore. Or what happened it's to okay. the guy? It's okay. I think, I think I saw part of his the last thing that he was in, and it was like, <sighs> yeah, it's probably a good thing you went out here, Chris, because it was not great. Not good. It was oh, not well. great. Sometimes you have an expiration date. Yes. Be funny. Chris Kattan has an exp- expiration date. Cool. And it's like five years ago. You know, I remember watching all three movies in the theater. And in the first movie, everyone is just delirious with laughter. The second one, similar. Yes. I remember there being a lot of awkward silences yes. in the third movie. You know, it just it didn't seem to hit well. No. We gotta go. We should go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next shitty sequel for me is... What are we gonna go with here? Um, I'm sorry to bring Transformers into this. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of <laughs> waiting for when you would. And it's not the one you may be thinking of. Uh, the Last night is... Ugh. Ugh. But the one I'm gonna actually talk about is Revenge of the Fallen. Is that the second that was one? the second one. So... The Revenge of the Fallen was the most disappointing, shitty version of... It, it was my low bar for a long time until the last night came along and kind of over, unseated it. But I'm going to go ahead and pick Revenge of the Fallen because it was the movie right after the first one, which I really liked. And the movie just was so different than the first one. 
none none of it made sense. Like they immediately like Witwicky, Sam Witwicky. He he was kind of more like still a boy. And then he's off to college, and it's almost like, you know, we talked about Shia LaBeouf pops up again in our in our in our discussion. Hmm. I feel like more of Shia LaBeouf came out in this movie, and it came, became more and more Shia LaBeouf as they went along, because he was manic in this movie. Was this the one where he was like? Writing out all of this. Yes. The, okay. Yes, this is the one where um, he gets imprinted okay, yeah, with yeah, with like remember. the map or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and it's not just that it it's also the the Transformers themselves. Yeah. They got really strangely racist. Like there was like these two like homeboy Transformers. Urban. Urban. Yeah. They were terrible. They introduced that little wheelie guy who's like the voice of SpongeBob, uh, Tom Kenny. Yeah. He's that little remote control one. He was super annoying. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, gosh. What's his name from the Sector 5 or 7 or whatever, who's awesome in almost everything? John Turturro. Thank you. He was becoming stranger and stranger. Like, he was more of a caricature. And it was, I mean, he was already a semi goofy character from the first one. But you could take him seriously, and this was the second installment. They started to make him goofier. He was a bit unhinged in, yeah. in the first one, but in this one, he was like now he was no longer with the government, and he yeah. was kind of like this, um, you know, he was like writing books, and he was an expert on this crap, and he was becoming public. And yeah. It, ugh, it just nothing about the movie worked for me. It was it was super disappointing. They they brought in that hot blonde girl in college who was this really ugly robot and she turned into and yeah. she was trying to seduce him and he had that really annoying roommate with him yep. that kind of tagged oh, along yeah, for the whole him. movie who he had the website and they you know like they kind of clashed personality it was like two two douches like trying to out douche each other yeah. you know, like in that scene so I, I didn't like anybody in this movie. And also the parents became cartoonier also. Yeah. And you know like his mom and dad who are just train wrecks and they're meant to be that way but they just they seem to get more screen time and it was whereas the first one i felt like had some sort of story the first one felt a, a little bit spielbergian and i know he was the name was attached to every one of them but i don't think he like he read anything involved. he was just cashing checks after no. the first one because none of the other ones felt like spielberg even like gave it any kind of proofread no you know? he was just rubber stamping that crap he was in, in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where they have the cut scene where Gus Van Sant is yeah. just counting money. <laughs> yeah. That's Spielberg yeah. in the Transformer franchise. And, Sounds good, and guys. Ben Affleck and like Matt Damon are frustrated yeah. with him. Yep. You know, like you gonna you gonna you gonna be a director here in this scene? We whatever, we got this. Like Michael Bay is just like, hey Steve, what do you think if we blow everything up in the scene? That sounds great, Mike. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm almost done with this. That's exactly it. It was like, how could you do this, Steven Spielberg? It's just, why? And even in that last movie, you know, Nick was like, no, no, Steven Spielberg. I think it was Nick. He was like, no, Steven Spielberg wasn't a producer. And I was like, no, no, I promise you he was. And I, I was like, now I got to go back and prove it. And I showed him. And he was like, I sent the screen capture. He's like, look, Steven Spielberg. And it's just like, ugh, ugh. But it's like, they've all, they've been getting worse and worse. And like, it just, it ended. And how I really hope Bumblebee's going to be a good movie. And I think it will be. And the reason I think it will be a good movie is because they're actually screening it ahead of time. Yeah. Which is a way better sign. Like most of these movies, they'll kind of keep secret. They'll hide from the, you know, the the you know the the film critics until like the day it drops. 
and every, like that first wave that pays for the movie sees it, and then the critics are like, oh, no, kill it with fire. It's terrible. And then word of mouth is bad, and then nobody goes to see it again. But, you know, the first one was genuinely good. You know, it was, you know, it, it was that whole Steven Spielberg. It, it felt Spielbergian. It was about a boy in his car. And Spielberg even was, like, interviewed talking about the movie. He was kind of, he felt kind of proud of the movie. But this one was just all over the place, man. Well, because the, the first one. And they killed Prime again, damn yeah. it. What are they ever going to learn? You never kill Optimus Prime. The, the the problem the problem they have I think is every movie it's not that every movie is going to essentially be the same but it, like what it's going to boil down to because they're not putting the emphasis in any kind of story because yeah. the thing is you never you never really I mean it's just let's get to the next set piece when are, uh, what are the what are the uh, what are the transformers going to fight about next <laughs> yeah. like it's uh, and, the, and the thing the thing that's kind of unfortunate is you don't really like I don't feel like they ever treated the Transformers as actual characters. Yeah. And I think if they would have done that, I think you could have gone more into how they ended up in Earth. Like, because you get pieces of it in, you know, what they like to pretend is a story. Yeah. But Well, the main character can't even speak. That's, and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that they could do to give you more story from their perspective, but they keep continue to insist on it being from the human's perspective interacting with it. And I think even like even when you go back to, um, I, I saw the uh, the 1986 animated Transformers in theaters uh, just a couple months ago, and it's when I was like, the story is compelling because it's entirely from the Transformers perspective. I mean, there are humans that obviously interact with the with the robots, but yeah. it's all about these because the, the robots are the characters. It's a war between worlds that's going on, yeah. and and they don't ever really focus on that. Like, oh, Megatron, he's the bad guy. He's the bad guy because we know he's the bad guy. Yeah. I was like, you, you have, I mean, it's just because they established that. They don't tell you why. They don't tell, I mean, they don't really give you, I mean, they, again, they dip into it at different points. Like, oh, yeah, we'll kind of, we'll touch on this. It was like, make that the focal point. Make that the story, not what these humans are doing with the Transformers technology. Not, oh, we're going to, because that's, that's always the thing is every well, installment. The problem with that franchise and that property to begin with is it, it was always, always just built around selling toys. Yeah. And yeah, they got Marvel to flesh it out just enough to, to create episodes. But I was I thought that once Spielberg, Spielberg would get involved, there would be a heavy it, uh, you know uh, emphasis on storytelling. And I just don't feel like they ever There's did not. that. No, the first one they attempted it. I feel a little bit. Second one, it was just one explosion after the other. Yep, it really was. It just none of it mattered. It was a mess. It was insulting. Another thing I hate about the Michael Bay movies is they'll introduce like nostalgic character names. Mm-hmm. They'll completely change them. Like they had Ravage, who was always that <clears throat> the cassette for Soundwave. It was like a panther. They made him look weird as hell, man. They always looked like this weird organic metal skeletal yeah. thing. I never liked the way they looked. So with the new movie, at least it's kind of got that old, you know, cartoon look to it. Yeah, the aesthetic. Very much, you know, reminiscent of the 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 '80s cartoon. Yeah, so, you know, which which is what they should have been doing all along the entire really. time. Yeah, but now that eight, the '80s are that kind of nostalgia, you know, like we're we're hitting strong into movies touching on like '80s movies yep. being set in the '80s, being nostalgic. So it's the perfect timing for a Transformers movie. They can really lean into that now and not seem weird. 
though. It's been 30 years, so they can they can go back to it. We're ripe for it. We, I mean, other you could Mac and me. You could do a, <laughs> a modern version of Mac and me. Since <laughs> Just leave it alone. Have you, have you seen Mystery Science Theater yet? I've, I've not watched that one yet. The Gauntlet. <laughs> Watch that one at least. It's pretty good. Uh, pretty nice. You'll know what I'm when they, <laughs> they really go to that a bunch. It's pretty good. Okay, so yeah, Revenge of the Fallen. Just an awful, awful, horrible movie. The worst movie in the in the series for a long time. Got dethroned by the last night. But, you know, yeah, like I said earlier, Revenge of the Fallen is really the one that let you know like Michael Bay was never really known for being a storyteller but it 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 leaned hard into Michael Bay on Revenge of the Fallen and it never came back what are you doing Houston we have a problem what is freshman yeah that's your car in our bushes uh no there's a there's a friend of mine he just went to uh went to get you a tighter shirt there isn't a tighter shirt we checked now how about I park my foot in your ass? What size shoe do you wear? Yeah, oh, you uh, wait, hold on. Get... Hold, Anyways, what's your fourth shitty sequel? My fourth, um, this one um, I picked because uh, I was uh, simultaneously as going, I was looking back at movies from 2018. Okay. I was going through and, and picking out so up, up until now what my top ten for 2018 is. And, um, oh yeah, yeah. We're I, gonna do a top. We're gonna do a top ten in twenty eighteen. I, I got a little bit of a head start on that, and so I was yeah. going through a bunch of stuff, and I realized, and I think it's, I think it's really the case um, a lot of years anymore now as it stands, but this year twenty eighteen was a big year for sequels, a big year for reboots and sequels, things like that. And so I was going through, yeah. and for me, I think the the sequel that failed the most. Um, of all of the anticipated sequels, uh, especially, was Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh, good call there. And I still haven't seen that one. I bought it on Black Friday, uh, so I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry that I haven't seen that. I can't really join in too heavily <laughs> on the conversation, but I got a sense that it was going to be a you, disappointing you movie. Probably, you probably can join in the conversation, even having not seen it. Yeah. Um, no Idris Elba. They, yeah, they, um, where, where you had... Um, some really compelling characters in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that kid's name? Um, oh, Charlie Huntsman. Mm, um, yeah. He was he was in the first one, and he was in that um, series with the biker game. Yeah, right? Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Um, and then you had Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean just a, and Charlie Day. Charlie Day, who um, they brought back. They br- they brought him back. Yeah. Um, and th- there was it was just a really compelling cast and, and a and a really interesting. You know, interesting story put together. Oh God, they got Scott Eastwood in the second yes. one. Yes, and Scott Scott Eastwood just has not come into his own. No. Um, it's one of like you know being Clint Eastwood's son. You know, you, you'd think. I mean, by this point in Clint Eastwood's career, he had a lot of really solid movies under his belt. Um, and Scott just I, I, like he's he's not uh, a bad um, addition to a cast. But mm-hmm. he's not a driving force for a cast. No. And then he's not a bad actor. No. But, but he's, he, he doesn't... Just, he can't take the reins and really run with something, yeah. and you, and you want to watch it. And then... Um, but his dad sure could. Yes. So like, that's the problem when you have a famous father. <laughs> it, it really... It, I think I think he falls victim to that a lot, is there's a lot of expectation for him to be the next Clint Eastwood. And I don't know that he could or really should. Unless it's, there's a resurgence in Western movies, yes. and he gets to be in that movie. He'll yes. never get that opportunity that... N- yeah, maybe he'll become a good director. Who knows? He, uh, his dad did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, um, then. Uh, but they got John Boyega. John Boyega, and I was I was um, I was not thrilled with his performance. Um, uh, but we also got to say that Del Del Toro was not the director. Yeah. Of that was the that that is actually the bigger of yeah. all the like missing you know, yeah. pieces of what made the first one. And I, and I really really like the first movie. I think Guillermo del Toro his the, making the first one was um, was near and dear to his heart. You could tell there was there was just there was a production value that he really believed in the story and, and wanted to tell a compelling story. Yeah. And I think with the second one um, cuz I, I had I had really high hopes for it. And it's I mean it's not it's it's not it's not unwatchable. It's mm-hmm. not you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, this movie's just so horrible. But it was just, it was one of those for me where it's like there were a lot of things where they took stuff, um, they kind of chanced themselves on a couple different things, and I feel like he didn't pay off the way they wanted now, it to. Now, isn't Boyega related to He Idris? is. He's Idris's Elba, Idris Elba's son. Okay. Um, he's the he's the troubled uh, progeny. You know, he's um, he, he um, flunks out of... You know the whatever the school uh, you know he oh he used to be one of the guys Jaeger school yeah Jaeger school <laughs> he, he flunks out of that and so they're like oh we we need to bring you back and so then he and Scott Eastwood clash because Scott Eastwood is the straight laced you know, oh you're you you flunked out of this you're no good da, 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 da. was he playing like the Iceman character kind of yeah, it was <laughs> it was a similar kind of dynamic there and it, you're dangerous yeah it just it just uh, like there were so many things that didn't hit and then it was just. When you get to when you get to the final act and everything comes together, it's just it's one of those I'm like it felt like there really just wasn't enough payoff. It felt like whatever if you're gonna take the first one and you're gonna evolve it into a new thing and you're gonna you know you're limited by the world that you're in. I mean, you got giant robots and you got giant aliens. Yeah. so it's not like you got a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. but it's one of those like if you're gonna come in and you're like, oh, there's certain things where you got you just got to up the ante. I thought the the kaiju monsters looked convincing and cool in the they, trailers. They were they were pretty they were pretty well done. And I always really liked the look of them in the first movie. The there was um, it was I think it was the the imminence of uh, of the 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 finality of the plot and how it was less about okay here you know here's how we're gonna stop this whole thing was now there was more of a, these things have an agenda um, and they're gonna do this and we have to stop them from doing this. Mm-hmm. Not in the first one it was, we didn't know where they were coming from. Right. Oh, then we figured it out. Here's how we have to stop this right, from happening. Right, right. And uh, and then just the, because I, I don't wanna ruin it because they they take some of the characters and they, they twist things around and they, they repurpose stuff. And um, I felt like the way they did some of that wasn't, wasn't what I was. I mean, it was it was a decent use of the of the cast of characters they had, but there were there were just things for me. I was like, because eh. at the end of it, I was sitting there. I was like, I, I wasn't thinking to myself like, oh, that really sucked. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting there thinking to myself like, that was not as good as I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah, and it was just it's one of those. I'm like, I just it, it kept me it kept me thus far from you know I, I I may need to give it a second watch just to to give it a fair shake. But Whenever uh, you have a turnover in cast and especially director, it's hard. You, it's it's like you have an uphill climb just from the beginning, and you know it's they got a lot of work to do to, to to make you not forget the first one, but convince you that it belongs. Yeah. In the same universe as the first one, and the looks are there. 
I feel like. Yeah. I don't think the movie looked cheap. No. Which is what I was afraid. I'm thinking like once you're not gonna have a director like Guillermo. Yeah. You know, you're you're afraid immediately that the visuals won't be up to par. Yeah. He's such a very visual. He is. Guy. I mean, he he's known for his creatures and his his atmosphere. Yep. And you don't if you don't have that guy. I mean, was he at least an understudy to him? Who is this guy? Stephen S. The Knight. Was the director, and he did. Was this his first thing? He was a producer on Daredevil. The show. The show, the show yeah. Show. Yeah, not the movie. And he, he, Spartacus, he was a writer on Smallville. So TV, he's a TV yeah. guy. And it's hard, it's hard to make that transition. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of them, like, you know, it, it fell, it fell into this Might category. Might be his directorial debut. It could be. It's it, a hard ask, man. It, it fell into this category for me just because when I was looking at all of the sequels and all the reboots and everything for this year, this movie, Pacific Rim Uprising, just really rang true as like this was probably the worst sequel that came out this year. I knew you were going to see it, and I was hoping for a good review from you. I, I wanted it to be better than it ended up being. And it, I feel like you you wouldn't come right out and 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 you know say it was bad, but I didn't get an excitement. It's yeah, <laughs> the hes the hesitance to just give it the stamp of approval. I think yeah. is what for me makes it like oh. it just yeah, I felt like it it. I don't. I don't know if it necessarily has to end the franchise. I think they could. They could potentially get if if they came back. If they brought Guillermo back on the third one, at least. Well, in he some wanted capacity. to do it, right? Yeah. Didn't he want to do it? He wanted sequel? to. And I, it I don't be. know the the specifics of why he didn't. <clears throat> I don't. Re- I I remember his because he had such an interest in the first one. Yeah. I mean, it was such. I mean, you, that and you could really tell. He was attached to making yeah. the sequel for a while. And I don't know if it was timing. I don't know if it was creative differences. I don't know if, what it was, but mm. um, obviously something caused him to go make that fish movie instead. Um, <laughs> God, that movie. Yeah. What were they? Too thinking? bad that's not a sequel, right? <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll make a sequel. So I think make a sequel. Trash. We'll do we'll, another we'll, one. We'll do an episode on disappointing Oscar movies. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them. Okay. All right. Well, All right. you know, like I guess. Sorry, I can't. No. Offer much else. Than and I and I don't want to go into much because I would like yeah. for you, you, you Yeah, you, yeah. You, you don't want to spoil it. Yeah, for you me. need to watch it, and you need to. It's like I said. It's still giant robots fighting giant aliens, which, which is, is enjoyable. Which is why a lot. I mean, I, I know you're not a fan. But I I still I uh, I I own all five Transformer movies. My kid, we, um, Tucker is a big Bumblebee fan, so we yeah. like we will turn them on. Um, and watch them pretty regularly. I'm very excited about the new movie. But uh, but y- this uh, giant robots fighting giant aliens, it's hard to go really wrong with that. This one just well, that was the thing about the the you know the last night, and I saw it before you, yep. and I didn't I I never want to discourage a person from seeing a movie. I want them to go see a movie and judge it for themselves. But I God man, I saw it the first time and I configured my expectations so low to start. And it still managed to disappoint. And I, I knew, I knew you. You're not a fan of the of the series. That's um, not true. Like well, I, I do. I'm with you. Like I like, I loved. I mean, I look at Transformers all over the place. Like, yes. I'm a huge fan of the Generation One and all the, you know, anything Transformers. So I, I guess that's hard because I have this love and attachment to it to begin with. But I was a def- I I defended the Transformer movies all the way up to the last movie. You know, friends of mine had already washed their hands with it. They, they, it's an abomination. I won't see another Transformers movie. And you know, like I, I was still that guy going, but it's like you're saying, it's still 
big giant robots Fighting. blasting each other and having fun. Yeah. And the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know if I liked it or not. And then I saw it a second time and loathed it. I think a lot of it was that kid, the little kid, the girl. That was a lot of what uh, the the negatives for that movie for me was like, why is there? It a was just so many things that sucked about that movie. I just can't. It doesn't matter who your parents are, where you came from, who believed in you and who didn't. We are a family now, and we are Earth's last defense. This is our time. This is our chance to make a difference. Now let's mount up and get it done. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Jaeger pilots, do you understand? Yes, sir. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Now help me save the world. Let's do this. My four is okay. This is I had kind of teased earlier, like the movie that just, nearly killed the franchise, but then it once again came back strong. So my fourth shitty sequel is Mission Impossible Two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what oh, the hell? Now I wish I had that on my list. Oh man, awful. Chimera. Awful we have Chimera. So after the first Mission Impossible movie, a very you know we talked about Guillermo being really invested in. Uh, in the Pacific Rim, well, Tom Cruise is super invested in Mission Impossible, and he's since taken it back and yes. made it really good in a viable franchise yes. once again. But e- Mission Impossible 2 was such a... Uh, I feel like they they lean too hard on the, the... Oh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, now I'm drawing a blank on the guy who directed it. Um, was it John Woo? John Woo. John Woo was an up-and-coming filmmaker. Well, he was already very established in, in, in Hong Kong, but uh, Hong Kong was that yeah. way. Yeah, he was already very established, but he was, making his, he was making his way up in the U.S. too, and he'd done Face Off and other movies. Very, very important guy, and he had a visual flair and style. And Tom Cruise, in all of these, I feel like all of the movies and in the Mission Impossible movies, and it's, it's, it's kind of carried true even in the new movies, he would pick different directors. So like it was Brian De Palma in the first movie, yep. and it was really enjoyable. Lots of great scenes, memorable scenes. You know, Wu in the second movie. Ugh. And then you had, um, oh gosh, J.J. in JJ the third. In third. And I can't remember the fourth or the fifth, but I'm pretty sure. The guy that did five did six too, the first did director. He, okay, okay. Over, but he yeah, didn't carry over, right. But they were still, the, you know, after three, they just got better and better and yeah. better. But the second one was just unbearable, Such man. A piece of crap. Way too many slow motion shots. The villain was shitty. Um, I think it was the long hair. Oh uh, God, I couldn't hair. stand him with that long hair, man. And you know that that whole scene at the end where they're like on the beach and he's doing like upside down kicks and yeah. dr- like the guns are falling and he's re- he's reaching down for it and it's just too much slow motion and they and he was he started with the rock climbing it was like the, the intense always rock climbing yeah it was a very in, very indulgent movie for Tom Cruise I feel like and he I I think he likes to show off that he's like such a physically gifted person and he is he's still doing his own stunts as we know yes and you know he's <laughs> what was it he's the same age in the last movie that Wilfer Brimley was in Cocoon. Yep. Yeah. Think, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> you know who doesn't have diabetes? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. No, doesn't. Uh, I mean, you know, Scientology, say what you will. 
It something going on is okay. Staves away diabetes. <laughs> is that the lesson here? That is the lesson. Scientology. Dianetics, not diabetes. <laughs> guarantee you won't get diabetes if you're a Scientologist. I guarantee it. Um, they won't even let Wilford Brimley in. No. No. Mm-mm. I have all the money. Just. Uh, it's that mustache. I'll give you all the oatmeal. Don't you have any walruses in your in your oh, little clan, Wilford. your little cult? <laughs> He's still around. He's still alive. Is he? Yes. Oh my gosh. That guy is still alive. I think it might be his mustache. Is that where he gets this? That's this, where he gets his power. <laughs> that is elixir. He's just. <laughs> he just like takes us. He every day he takes one hair off his mustache. And he, he crunches it into, like, one of those, like, cups, you know, yeah. and just smushes it in. And he drinks it. Mortar and pestle. And he lives another, you know, he's good for another six months. Yeah. So, oh. And it's it's so lush, the mustache. It's not going anywhere. But Thandie Newton, I really yeah. liked her. The, the cars, you remember the scene where it appears almost that the cars are dancing? Like, there's this kind of tango music playing. Yeah, baby. And they're doing, like, this really well, like, strangely choreographed stunts with cars and it you know like they're flirting but they're driving and trying to kill each other but they're also flirting it's such a weird choice and i remember the motorcycles oh where they where they actually like both jump fighting on motorcycles yeah they're like fighting with motorcycles and that don't they both leap off their motorcycles and kind of run go at each other it's an embarrassing movie. Which, you know, when you think about, oh, John Woo also directed Hulk, 2003. No, no, no. That was, uh, that was, uh, what's his name? Um, was it a different? Ang Lee. Ang, oh, that's right. Yeah. I was thinking the same, it's the same, to me it was the same, like when the Hulk comes running an abomination, you have that the same visual. Unless it's ahead that, you know, not that all Asian directors are the same. <laughs> Easy, careful, careful. <laughs> I had John Woo in my head as directing yeah. Hulk, but yeah, that when they jump off the motor like that, I think I only watched the movie once because I was like, I can't watch this movie again. Yeah, I it's the only Mission Impossible movie that I don't own. Yeah, same here. Even if I were to buy a box set, I would remove it from out. the box set and burn it. It's like, no, you will not go into my yeah. player. I've specifically purchased them individually on uh, in digital as well, so I don't have. <laughs> I don't have that one even digitally. <laughs> there are movies that I own. I'm like, I just bought the whole franchise. I'm yeah. like, I have this now. Uh, that one, no. Yeah, it's 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 awful. I have nothing at all good to say about it. Yeah. From from the overacting to the the crazy action to the stupid long hair, to the rock climbing and the stupid Limp Biscuit song that was like on the radio when that came out. Uh, everything about that movie is just over the top. And des- like it, it was like a desperate. It felt desperate. Oddly enough, speaking of Limp Bizkit, the song Limp Bizkit put that was the first movie that Metallica had ever done a song for a soundtrack. Oh, that's right. They'd done a movie song for that too. Yep. And they all it, everything about it sucked. Yeah. Did you? Was it? Th- did they do the Mission Impossible theme? Is that what it was? They. Um, I disappear was the name of their song off okay. that album. But it was just. Well, I remember like guys from U2 did the first Mission Impossible, but it was kind of like that techno-y kind of. It yeah. was very reminiscent of the old Mission Impossible yes. thing. I, I tolerated it. It was okay. In fact, I might have had the single of it even because <laughs> that's just a bitching song. I love yeah. the Mission Impossible theme. It's cool. 
you you can you can make you can take that and, and mix it into any genre. Oh yeah, and, and it instantly is palatable because totally it's such works. a cool theme. Totally works. Um, but thank God that movie got resurrected. Yeah, because they're 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 always one of you can count on those movies for being just good action flicks. And, and Fallout's no. You finally saw Fallout. I right? finally saw Fallout. I really liked that movie. Yes. I thought Henry Cavill was really good in that. That see that to me is why uh, the Man from Uncle and the, and Mission Impossible Fallout those are fantastic in, instances where Henry Cavill really thrives as an actor. He was a great addition. Yeah. He had a, I mean he had a great screen. He's presence. good at playing a bad guy. He was great. I mean he's great at playing a bad guy. Yeah. And it's one of them like okay it's not just like oh well he can only play bad guys well it's like, no. He's a really great actor. Well, it's he was good at playing like the good guy early on, and he's like a you know an ally. In the movie. And that was that was the thing that was great about. It. I was like, okay, this guy has range. Yep. He has he can deliver well. I mean, like there's there's a lot to him. And then you, if you were to go and watch, I don't know, Man of Steel or Batman versus Superman mm. or, or Justice League, you're like, well, can Henry Cable act? Yeah. And you're like, oh well, not under you know a DC. Director. How do you be Superman, though? I mean, it's it's just hard. Not with a blank look on your face all the time. <laughs> Not well. I don't know if that was his fault. That's that's what I'm saying. I think it was like, Zack Snyder's that's, fault. Probably. It, it, this movie proves Henry Cable is a good actor. Yeah. And that that's why he yeah. he could have been a fantastic Superman. I think they just like oh they wanted it to be. Whatever it was they wanted it to be, I can't go into that right now at all. So th- this topic is almost like let's let's crap on let's let's draw attention to bad movies just so we can talk about the good movies yes. they sh- they should have made. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, Mission Impossible Two. I don't even want to dignify no. it anymore. Nope. It's a horrible movie, and uh, it, it nearly killed the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> What's your final shitty right. sequel? Final one. Mm-hmm. This <laughs> this one, it, it came to me. It came to me in a moment. <laughs> oh, I love it. And, and I was sitting there, I was pondering all of the, what are the sequel? What sequel? <sighs> what is the one? And I, it finally hit me. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. Okay. I was gonna say, don't say two. How no. dare you? Okay. <laughs> three is disappointing. I will give three. You that. Because it's the what I and I, I think we've had this conversation um, uh, at work at the Best Western uh, where we work um, <laughs> while we were turning down sheets. Yes, um, <laughs> I think we have talked about this movie before. But I just I love the idea that a franchise that caters towards children. There was a meeting where they were discussing what they what should they do. We did the first one, mm-hmm. the kids loved it. Kids did loved the it. second one, the kids also really loved it. So what what direction should we go? Should we add more? More mutants? Should we take stuff from the cartoon that's wildly popular? Yeah. What should we do to cater to the children who really enjoy this movie? And somebody just said, Feudal Let's Japan. Send them to feudal Japan. <laughs> feudal <laughs> Japan. <laughs> I think I could stop right there. Yeah. And that's enough of a. And there were obviously many more sequels to follow after that one. Oh, wait, it killed the franchise. Oh, we're done? 
Oh, like the most just popular... Just like that? The most popular show on television right now, the thing that's selling toys and action figures and <laughs> games, everything. Just making money hand over fist. Let's make a movie that just shits on everything we've done. Yeah. The, and if just, that was done. the day they stopped printing money. Yep. You know, I was a huge Ninja Turtle fan back in the day, and I really... The first two movies are pretty dear to my heart. I didn't even see the third movie in theaters. I skipped it. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think it was a VHS. I think I saw it on Gable. Because it just looked... E- each movie, like, the Jim Henson uh, creatures looked worse and worse. Yeah. By the time they got to the third movie, it was like a Saban cartoon. Like, yeah. I'm like, are they, is that the Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers? I can't even I hardly tell. Is... Like, you know how they had that, like, Pizza Hut tour out of their shells or yes. whatever? They didn't look much better than the costumes no. they wore doing that crap. We're going to go play rock music. You should probably see it. Nah. Or do you not? Or shouldn't? Nah. The only good thing about the third movie is they brought back Casey Jones for yes. the first movie. And he was, and he was, he kind of had a few moments in the movie. It was okay. Um, I also think they brought back, um, they brought Corey back. Feldman. I yep. think they got him back, which yep, I was Donatello. disappointed they didn't bring him back for the second one. So, you know, it's not like they didn't have a few decent things going for them, but it's just a stupid story. It, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked um, for the the Saturday morning show. No, it would have been like nah, that's too stupid. Don't yep. you think? Like this <laughs> is why would we why would we send the turtles back to feudal Japan? I mean, yeah, we we'll do an episode where meatballs are little aliens on the yeah. princess. That's fine. absolutely that that makes sense. Yeah, we <laughs> could totally pull that off. But were they time travel back to Japan? Uh, it's just get real. I I don't I don't know why I, I don't know why they took something so beautiful and just. Destroyed it. <laughs> well, it I, just I, defecated just, all over it. Uh, that, I mean, Ed Norton in Fight Club, when when he's explaining why he beat up Angel, uh, played by Jared Leto, he's like, "I wanted to destroy something beautiful." <laughs> that is what they did with the Ninja Turtle franchise. We made the third one because we wanted to destroy something beautiful. Just wanted to see what it felt just like. Just wanted to see what that was. Uh, Take something good. Sometimes you just want to watch the world burn. Yes. You know, and that's, that's what they did with the Ninja Turtle franchise. That's exactly what they did. But you can't keep a good franchise down. They, you know, they came they've, back. They've they'll come, come back. back again. Yep. Um, Thankfully. Yeah. I don't always agree with the way they look. I, I'm an old school guy, I guess. I just still want them to look silly, smooth green. And yes. Or, or the way they looked in the uh, the graphic novels, the old yep. Eastman and Laird graphic novels, which is why the first one I thought was so damn good and rewatchable to this day. Have you watched the first Ninja Turtles? It's good. It, it holds is. up. It's it's just dark enough to like hide all the things that need to be hidden in that movie, and it's just very faithful to the first Eastman and Laird comic. Yeah, it, it's really faithful to the comic, the graphic novel. So, it, in fact, it's way more like the graphic novel than the cartoon, even which kind of confused me a bit as a kid. Yeah, it's like why isn't this more like the cartoon? No, they went with the graphic novel. But it worked. It was just it was right in between enough. Well, and it's it's a because of that it's more timeless. It doesn't yeah. feel as dated, late eighties, early nineties, goofy. Because um, the second one kind of feels like that. Yes. The instant you make the decision to insert vanilla ice into your movie, you've put a stamp on it. You made a great decision. <laughs> I can't be mad at Vanilla Ice. He's still to this day is like I love the Ninja Turtles. If you want to take any movie that we have already talked about and make a sequel to that shitty sequel mm. and make it exponentially better 
call Vanilla Ice first, mm -hmm. and then just develop a plot from there. He'd do it. Oh, he, totally. He liked my tweet. <laughs> Tell yes. you about that. They're having the, sh the toys that made us this, the new season on Netflix. And Vanilla Ice was uh, in a picture with Turtle Toys, and he was, I guess, he has something to do with that special when it airs. And um, I don't know. I made some sort of smarmy comment about Vanilla Ice being in the second movie, and he liked it. <laughs> he, see, he's a personable kind of fella. He's a cool fella. He's accessible. He was in That's My Boy, and that was one of my, yeah. uh, you know, top movies from last episode. Continuity. Continuity. Continuity is what we're all about here yep. on the Cinemasters. Sam Rockwell was in the, the first movie as well, the first Teenage Mutant Taking it back to your first film there, Moon. See how it all works? Continuity. We're Full just circle. like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. It all comes yep. together. All okay. Right. That's my five. Let's, let's, you That, that was out. a fun pick. Yes. That was a fun pick. That one came to me and it was fifth pick. I got so many choices here for this last one, and this this is the one where I'm kind of like, yeah, what am I gonna go with? I think what I'm gonna do, God, this is hard. D three, the mighty ducks. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Rocky Five. Rocky. Following the greatest Rocky movie of all time, Rocky Four, with Ivan Drago. He beat the Russians, and what happens? He 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 gets a brain tumor or whatever. So right away, the thing that makes Rocky great, they take him away from it. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't box anymore. And they get this crappy Tommy Gunn. He's like the new boxer protagonist that you're supposed to be rooting for, and he sucks as an actor. And he was a real boxer too, not a good one. And and to and just to just to smear the stink like all over this movie. They go and they get this like wannabe um, Don King, yeah, like rip off guy. Like only in America, yeah. touch me, I sue. You know, like and he's just like yeah. out there in that like mink coat in the streets. That movie didn't get good until he beat Tommy Gunn's ass at the end of the movie. Yeah, that, that was the only good thing about that movie. It's just a sad movie. I didn't like. It's a shitty sequel because I don't I don't want to see Rocky after all of those movies end up in the place that he ended yeah. up. You know, poor, broke, um, slumming it with. But he, at least he has Adrian. But <laughs> yes, for now. <laughs> but you know, well, because through the first four movies, you've seen him. You know, you've I mean, seen him fight big names. You've seen him overcome significant obstacles you've seen him down every time he should back. have been beaten down and in the first movie he is beaten down yes which is why the second one was fun because he does finally beat creed yes but um then you got you know mr t clubber lang Who doesn't would just love mr. kill t. him i love mr t everyone loves mr t you're crazy if you don't like mr t yes i pity the fool yes who doesn't like Mr. I T? I pity <laughs> the fool who doesn't like mr t and then you had you know friggin um Oh gosh, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. You know, 
And I, I really am looking forward to seeing Creed too. Yeah. One of one of the main reasons why I wanted to postpone us doing a top uh, ten list for 2018 is there's just so many good looking movies coming up. There's in the next couple even weeks. even now, towards the end of the year, yeah. there's still a number of solid films coming out. I, I have a feeling that Creed two is going to be really good, and I want to see it bad, because uh, the first Creed movie was such a surprise. Yeah. I, I love how that again we're t- we're taking we're bringing up a shitty movie to talk about a better movie. Good movies. <laughs> yeah, I like how they disguised that movie early on, where you just thought it was going to be a boxer movie starring Michael B. Jordan, and then boom, it's a Rocky movie. We tricked it's you. It's a backdoor Rocky. Scene. It's another Rocky movie. But the but Rocky movies have always had the, these these compelling stories. Uh, you know, even when they when Rocky Balboa came out, I loved Rocky Balboa. Yeah. That was great. They saved the franchise. It was a fantastic re-entry back into the into what they'd already been doing. You know, it, they you need slice. You, you need to be hope. There has to be hope for Rocky, and I don't feel like there was. It was just he was just down the whole movie. Yeah, and the only the only time he was up is when he kind of regains his little bit of his street cred, which I guess if you're like a, you know a kid from Philly, you know that's what's most important. And you know, and he does. He teaches the kid a lesson. But I, I don't want to see my Rocky down in the dumps like that. No. Um, and, you know, they yeah, they killed Adrian, and that sucked. <laughs> like yes. What they decided to go that That was route. a good move. <laughs> I mean, it was good for the drama, I guess. Um, did, did she die in five or in between five and Balboa? I think it was in between. I think, yeah, I think you might be right. It's been a while since I've seen five. I feel like I remember Adrian going like, Rocky! Like once or twice, yeah. at least in five. Um, but you know, it could have been a good story. It might have been a good movie if that the the actor who or boxer, what I don't know, yeah. he's as good a boxer as he was an actor. The human person. <laughs> the human person they selected was the hum- inappropriate. <laughs> they picked the wrong human to be in that movie. I love that. I love that as a description of of Tommy Gunn as the human person. <laughs> Base. <laughs> At your very base, you're at least a human person. <laughs> the walking, talking human yes. person that they chose. That's about all you can say for him. Yeah. He's qualified to talk and walk and and, and, and grow a mullet. Yeah. Uh, but it could have been a good movie if, if it was just a good, a good actor. You know? Should have been a good movie. Because uh, they had four, up to that point, they had four solid films. They had a lot of lore to, to go off of. To falter that poorly that quickly yeah. was just unfortunate. Just get out of here, What? Break your hand on that bummer. What are you worth then, huh? Paul, are you okay? You should have left them on the street where you found them. Get off me, man. Get off me, man. Get off me, Get off me, Get off me, Get off me, no, no. In the ring, in the ring. Tommy Gunn only fights in the ring. Get out of here. My ring's outside. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, so Rocky Five. Like, and I have so many choices. Should we did you did you have any others that you wrote down as honorable mentions? There's a number that I could come up with off the top of my head. I if, I feel like we should mention a couple of things. Uh, I, I, I wanna hear I wanna hear some of yours that you have jotted down. I was very prepared to do Caddyshack too. That was that was yeah. Uh, everybody was gone that made the movie so Dan Aykroyd is no replacement for Bill Murray. No, no. It's Carl Spackler. Jackie Mason is no replacement for Rodney Dangerfield. No. 
Um, it was just a weird ass movie. Yeah, it was not. It was not necessary. If it weren't for that sweet bitchin' Kenny Loggins theme song, the movie would have been just complete Which, trash. That's that, you could say that for an, a number of movies, really. I think without <laughs> yeah, Kenny, it, without in Kenny the Loggins, 80s. without if it if it weren't for that golden voice, oh, Kenny, Kenny Loggins. Loggins. Uh, is is he gonna do a Top Gun theme? I, I hope the so. Movie? Okay, that was one that I was gonna mention. Um, Beverly Hills Cop Three was gonna be one that I was gonna mention. That that movie was terrible. Uh, Cars Two, I thought it was awful. It felt like a cart, like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like it's the worst Pixar movie. Cars Two is just so weird. Yeah. Uh, Matrix Three Revolutions. That one was on my list. A very unsavory conclusion to that series. I, I personally, I could have done without Reloaded and Revolutions. I, I know Reloaded re- at least had the freeway scene. The extended Cadillac commercial. <laughs> I wanted one of those Cadillacs. That was, and that was why, because they advertised well. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I thought very seriously about doing Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumberer. Yeah. Uh, where they, they didn't even have it Jim was, Carrey. No, it was the their younger selves. Yeah, I didn't think that was very good. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, Good Day to Die Hard. That was a, that was a serious contender. It's the by far the worst Die Hard movie. Uh, you, that felt like Bruce Willis phoning me in like I've never seen. Uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, that one was on my list. Uh, that that was one that was very considered, uh, was like a serious contender. Batman and Robin is just like so cliche. That was on my list. Yeah. Predator 2 uh, was disappointing, I thought, although I know a lot of people like it. I feel like nowadays it has more fans than it did back in the day. Once you got past the disappointment of no Arnold Schwarzenegger, it, it was it was a hard sell for it to be Danny Glover. Danny Glover, yeah, and that it was in. I mean, because it's been the third one. You take it back to a jungle setting. Yeah, that that move that series has rebounded pretty well. Yes, um, Hot Tub Time Machine Two was a very unsatisfactory. I think I couldn't even bring myself to watch that. I, yeah. I started to, but I the first one was surprisingly funny. I it thought. really was. Um, but they didn't get John Cusack, and he was the glue of that movie, I guess. Yeah. And uh, one one other movie that I had, two two other movies I jotted down real quick. Basic Instinct Two. I don't know why they did that. No, that was unnecessary. That that was very strange. And. Um, uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones. That was, I really wanted to put that one on my list, but it felt way too, like, I really, it, the prequels again, it's, aren't it's great. Trite. That, it's that trite to worst. say that. It, it's awful. Yeah. I, I'd like to say that even a bad Star Wars movie, even the worst Star Wars movie is still kind of good. That that movie's not, though. I would watch the Star Wars movie with Wilford Brimley before I would watch <laughs> Attack of the Clones. <laughs> this is not the oatmeal you're yeah. for. Um, what, what were some of the ones you were thinking about? A lot of, a lot of those. I, um, I'm trying to think what else I had that I was um, reviewing. Oh, the Wall Street movie. The, the yeah, sequel the, that, that had Shia LaBeouf in it, dude. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Don't put Shia LaBeouf in If you're in making your a sequel to an established <laughs> film or franchise, do not put Shia LaBeouf in it. Box office poison. <laughs> Franchise poison. Just he kills it. He yeah. kills it every time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I've, I think there were a couple other ones that I had on my list, but I can't remember what they were now because I just jotted down. Yeah. But yeah, those the ones, all the ones you mentioned, were a lot of the ones that I had considered. Those. Yes. Yeah. All right. So why don't we move into our? Uh, that that was fun. Yes. I like doing the shitty sequels. Yes. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that list. I, I, I it's I don't necessarily like beating down and being negative. 
but they they had it coming. They did. <laughs> when they put it out there in the public domain for us to watch, they asked for it. You know, we're we're gonna ha- we're gonna have a podcast uh, podcast I, show dedicated to hating on. Movies. I'm very positive about a lot of things. Don't you work me up and yeah. then let me down so hard? Exactly. It, it's your fault. Yeah, it's your fault. You did this. You got my dollar. Now I'm gonna you know I'm gonna complain. I'm gonna whine about it. Yeah, I'm a baby. Okay, third segment time, and this this one's called uh, what's it called? Rad Dads. Excellent. Why don't you explain Rad Dads? So Rad Dads is similar to the Netflix Vice Versa, mm-hmm. in so much that it is um, we are both dads and we have kids. Yep. Hence us being dads. Yep. Similar age um, kids. Yeah, yeah, similar age kids. Yeah. And we watch a lot of movies with our kids. Right. And so in uh, in an effort to connect with our kids via movies as well. It's something we enjoy doing and, and our kids enjoy doing with us. So we are going to take that same principle from the Netflix vice versa and apply it to the Rad Dads where we're going to incorporate our children into the same challenge. So we're going to pick movies, challenge each other to watch them, and then watch them with our kids and report back in. Bring us Brings the continuity from our second installment to then our third, which will come out later. Yep. And we'll talk about this section much like we did at the beginning of this with yep. Moon and Moonwalker. So that's how this is going to work. I really love the idea of this segment. I think it's I think it's fun because I know you you feel the same way. Like we're such big movie fans. Yep. We we feel like we would be bad parents to not get our kids into to be movie buffs exactly. like us. There's got there's something wrong with a person who just doesn't love movies to the obsessive level that we do. And I I have explained to my two children because I have all of all of my movies are on display. It's the only tangible thing I think I own that I have any amount of pride in. And I've told them I said <laughs> it shouldn't be, man. But it shouldn't be. But it <laughs> you very have so much many other is. things to be proud of. No, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> I cut my own hair today. <laughs> I used to do that, man. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. The, but look at it. It's like, is there anything to be proud of here? No. No. I look like Ripley. Uh, so. Um, sorry but, about that. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that was terrible. No, it was awesome. I, I firmly enjoyed that. I resisted the urge to get right up in your face. You should. You should. I would have been fine with it. Totally fine. 100% fine. Next time I'm just going for Go it. Go for it. Mm. Go for it. There is a comfortability here that I am 100% on board with. I'm glad to hear that. But I, I've, I've instructed my children, I said, you know, when you guys get a little bit older, you have the benefit because I have been able to amass such a collection. You will be able to have the greatest cinematic education I think that is available. Uh, every series, every you know, action films, horror films, comedy, everything that any child really should have to grow up properly is right there at their fingertips. I, I will never be able to teach my kid how to build a fence or, or change uh, parts on a car, but I will be able to teach my kid, you know, what a three-act structure is. Yep. I will be able to teach my kid uh, what a quality movie is and, how, like, what what traits to look for to be yep. a quality movie. I want to see all kinds of movies with my kid. I take them all the time. But it's it's mostly cartoons, but you know, our kids are at the age now where they're they're starting to want to watch things that Bridge aren't that they're they're open to yep. live action movies. And yep. uh, when you mention this, 
the thing that I was like, I knew it would work, would work because both of my young kids watch Ghostbusters and they love it. Yep. It's like it, the movie is becoming their movie. And I thought it would be like a hard sell because it is an older movie and the effects aren't good, but they buy into it. Three, three of my six-year-old's favorite movies are Ghostbusters, Beetlejuice, and Gremlins. That's cool. And I'm very, that's one thing that I'm very proud of. So we're not, we're not picking each other's movies this time. I think what the idea is, we're, we're going to pick a movie that's near and dear to us. Yes. And we're going to watch it with our kid. And then we're going to, like you said, we're going to report back in, in episode trace. Yes. And uh, we'll, we'll see how, um, may, maybe, maybe we could even like do a little interview, like record. I don't know how comfortable you would do with well, that. No, we could do that. Yeah, I could do a little, like with my phone, like do like a little interview with, Logan, oh, yeah. my like, you know, like, what were your thoughts on this movie? And then we could edit it into the movie, and that would be cute. I'm down with that. Okay, uh, what what's your pick for Rad Dads? Or should I go first? You go first. <sighs> okay, so you kind of spoiled it a little bit. Um, the the <laughs> you mentioned this movie, but uh, Beetlejuice. I, I'm choosing Beetlejuice. I'm gonna Great watch play. Beetlejuice with my uh, son. I think he'll like it because it Beetlejuice like. It could be scary to a kid, but there's a whimsicalness to that movie where I think it, he'll get it. And I, I think it's it comes from that Ghostbusters. You know, like there's some seriously scary scenes in Ghostbusters, far scarier than like in Beetlejuice. Yeah. And he does drop one f bomb in the movie, and I'm okay with that. Like my kids heard me say worse. Well, I don't know. It can't get much worse, but they, he's at least heard me say things that. Things get things get heated. You know, I when I'm out in the store and I see a nice model, I say nice fucking model all the time. I can't help it. <laughs> all and the I time. tend to grab myself. All the time. You know, he's <laughs> it makes a honking noise. I mean <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it wouldn't yes. be the first time. Nope. Uh but you know, I, I think that's like that's a, that's a strange movie. It it's like it's a Burton movie, Tim Burton movie. And he likes uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. So there's kind of like, I can sell yeah. it that way. And it, I, I feel like it appeals to kids. They're, and they even had a cartoon in the 90s for yep. Beetlejuice. You know, so like... I own it. Do you now? I do. On DVD? On DVD. That's cool. That's cool. So I, I'm hoping, I'm banking that he's going to like the movie. So I'm going to watch Beetlejuice with him. I'll, I'll get his thoughts, and then we'll share it with you guys. Uh, what, what movie are you going to choose for Rad um, I I'm pretty sure, because we, we, watch, we watch a lot of older movies, um, but I, I'm pretty sure that uh, my two younger kids have not really sat down and watched Space Jam. Oh. Um, we, I, it's, I'm pretty sure I own it. I'm not 100%. I, I know my, uh, my oldest... He had it on DVD at one point, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was when I was like, you know what? Um, uh, there's because uh, there's a new Space Jam that's in the works right now. LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah. Is that a for real thing, or is that just I something? Be- that I believe it is a for real thing. Okay. I think it's really happening. Okay. I um, hope they get Bill Murray in it. I, I would love <laughs> to get Bill Murray and Larry Bird. And leave, leave Michael Jordan out, but get, yeah, God, he's terrible. He's not. That's the, what I what I want to do is I want my kids to really have. You know, like sit down. We're gonna, you know, tur- have the movie theater experience. The kids are always trying to like, let's turn the lights off, let's pop popcorn. Oh, I love snacks. it when the kids ask for popcorn. Yeah, that's like, great. Yes, we can have popcorn. They, Tucker is always. He's like, can we have popcorn and hot cocoa? I was like, 
Oh, you got a hot Coke machine, right? Oh yes, the Coke Motion, <laughs> Black and Decker's Coke Motion. Coke Motion. I was dis- I'm disappointed that you didn't come up with that name. It's gotten a lot of use over the years, um, but uh, Black and Decker, send us a couple free Coke Motions. Yes, send us some Coke Motions if you don't mind, because mine's been around for a while. It's got a lot of use. <laughs> so I would genuinely enjoy a new one. Cool. Um, but yeah, so I want to sit down and do Space Jam, lay the foundation um, for. Because uh, we've not really done too much with Looney Tunes either. Oh, yeah, um, there you go. I think we may have uh, at one, I, I vaguely remember turning on Looney Tunes back in action with uh, Jenna Elfman and Brendan Fraser. Mm, I'm but sorry. Yeah, it was it was a poor decision <laughs> yeah. on my part. But I want to sit down and like, all right. Not so rad dad of you to do no, that. No, that was very yeah. unrad. It was bad dad. It was weak. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, so Space Jam is what I'm, I, I want to sit down and, LeBron James can act. I, I think that that could. And Looney Tunes needs to come back. They, they seem to have cycles. Yeah. And I think it's time for them. Because it it's a timeless property. It just needs to be applied to the generation, the new generations, in the right way. I've been flirting with picking up the Looney Tunes on Blu-ray. Yeah, they're expensive, though. It's the thing. Yeah. They're quite expensive. They, they, they do. Yeah, they tend to keep those highly priced because I look at them, too, and I'm like... Yeah. I just can't justify it yet. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, how they'll react to that. Cool. Well, that's been our episode. That is it. This this concludes it. <laughs> this is the end. Less riffing. Yes. No mention of, of Charles Bronson. No. Or Chuck Norris. Or Chuck Norris. No action denim. No. <laughs> no. No truck. Uh, what was? It? Truck Master Two. <laughs> yeah. Kick a truck in the face. You kick a truck in that the face. That went over really well. I was I was Good. really glad that that okay. went over quite well. Uh, but anyways, thanks for checking us out. I've been Ron Appreciate Avis. It. I've also been Ron Avis. No, I've been Adam <laughs> Peterson. We'll I was briefly next. Ron Avis, but you weren't paying attention. <laughs> if you squint your eyes just a bit, we become Ron Avis. Like we come together. We are Ron. <laughs>